And hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of World Hockey Report. T-Cool Tuesdays. That's right, kids. T-Cool Tuesdays here on WHR every single day of the week. That is Tuesday here on the World Hockey Report, here on the Hockey Podcast Network, and on 12-Ounce Sports Playoff Action Galore, everybody. Oh, man, it is a beautiful day. Hello, John Be- Gene Bennett. What's up, peeps? What is up, my friend? Thank you all very much for joining us on this lovely endeavor here for Tuesday. Lots to get to from the weekend that was across the Stanley Cup playoffs. Round one still going on, but for some, not anymore. And for others, maybe not for too much longer. we got a lot to get to today, guys, including here in just a little over 10 minutes. We're going to be joined by none other than Lauren Campbell from Nesson talking about the Boston Bruins, Carolina Hurricanes, one of the four games on tap tonight featuring series that are going into game five that are tied at two games apiece. This is going to be a very fun night of hockey, everybody. We're also going to possibly be joined by John Walton. I really hope so. He did message me before we got on the show here saying the flight's making things a little bit tight Uh, right now. They're going, Washington Capitals are on their way down to Sunrise for obviously their game tomorrow night, game six tomorrow night between the Panthers No, Game 5 tomorrow night, excuse me, between the Panthers and the Capitals. We'll talk about that game with him, or at least later on in today's program. Also, we're going to talk about the latest news. There was obviously a pretty big coach firing that happened in Long Island. A couple of uh, very notable signings in women's hockey and the women's game in the Premier Hockey Federation. Also, we'll recap all the games last night and get you set for each game tonight. Part of this World Hockey Report, where it's going to be An exciting one, guys. And as always, we are live here in the Pro Rock Broadcast Studios. Be sure to follow us, guys, at World Hockey RPT, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We're anywhere and everywhere you get your favorite, wherever your favorite social media platform is. Obviously, if you're watching right now, it means you are following as well on 12 Ounce Sports or the Hockey Podcast Network. And be sure, if you guys, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to jump on and let us know. Let us know what you're thinking, what's going on right now. If you have any questions, of course, whether it be for Lauren coming up here in about 10 minutes or John later on the show, or if you just, you know, want your opinion heard, let us know. We may bring it up here on today's program. But like we said, lots to get to today. And I'm going to start off on something a little bit odd. We're going to talk about the playoffs later. We're going to start with talking about that with Lauren here in about about 115. So like I said, a little over 10 minutes. Gene Bennett, that's right. Avs way to finish it off. Yes, they swept the Nashville Predators. That'll be one of the games we talk about. And Front Row Productions, hashtag all caps, hashtag all caps all day. If you are, of course, you know, I mean, you got to be pretty excited, right? If for the way things are going right now for the Capitals, given the fact that they're really in this series, they're not out of this series. They are, I mean, they're playing tough. They're playing hard. They're playing smart. And I tell you, it's going to be a barn burner of a of a series for whoever I think gets Colorado next because Colorado has done a really good job of not giving me a reason to trust them. But to my point, we're going to start off with something a little bit different here today. We are going to, we also want to get our to our question of the day. If you haven't checked out our question of the day yet, go on and check out the the at World Hockey RPT on Twitter, we threw out the question of the day today. What series do you think is going to go seven games? Obviously, there are five that are, or six that are left. Excuse me, six, seven, seven that are left. Holy moly! Uh, one, all of them, but one are at three or at two two scores. Rangers and Penguins, which we'll also talk about later on. That one is a three one lead for Pittsburgh. 
Tell me if you tell if you knew that was coming. Uh, Gene Bennett, please let them finish the Panthers off. It'd be crazy if it happened, but guess what? Teams from Florida who won the President's Trophy losing in the first round of the playoffs? Who would have thought in this economy? Dylan Kaiser, World Hockey Report. Let's go. Fire and flames. Well, the flames certainly fanned some of them last night, getting a win tying their series up. We'll talk about that later on as well. But let's get into, Pat. first of all, Patrick Marlowe retiring after 23 seasons, making it official today. If you have not, he wrote an article on the Players' Tribune. I love reading the Players' Tribune because A, it comes from the players, and B, it's from the heart. It was a real, it was a fun little piece to read. I'll tell you, go check it out. 1,779 games, playing with the Pittsburgh Penguins, of course, you mentioned them, but obviously, notably, the San Jose Sharks also spent time with the Toronto Maple Leafs and infamously, the Carolina Hurricanes. Never played a game, but that's a story for a different time. 1779 games played. That is the most ever played in the NHL. Yes, it is not the most pro hockey games played ever. Gordy Howe holds that distinction, but when you play for literally almost for five decades, you're going to hit that mark. But remember, he played in the World Hockey Association as well, which kind of made those numbers a little bit finicky between the two leagues. So congratulations to Marlowe on a successful career. Didn't get a cup, unfortunately, but you know that that's a guy that works really hard to get that. Uh, Gene Bennett says, Flames and Stars, Panthers got enough weapons. Gene Bennett, they do have enough weapons, which makes it very interesting what's going on over there. But talking about the Capitals, let's talk about a former Caps coach that is on the market. Barry Trotz, fired by the New York Islanders after four seasons. Now, yes, he infamously left the Capitals after the 2018 Cup Final win. Got his, got his cup, the team got their cup, and Barry's like, you know what, I'm going to go get a little bit more money working for a mob boss. Actually, no, remember, he actually had not been working for him yet. But Barry Trotz, man. Actually, no, they're right. He went to go work with Luke because that was 18, 19. That's right. And had three pretty good years, made to the second round in 2019 before losing to Carolina, made to back-to-back conference finals, losing to the eventual Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning both times, and then this past season happens. And... You know, I, I know I, there's a lot of people that are like, well, of course. Of course it happens. You know, he had a bad year. The team was awful. The team needs a new voice. And well, that's what we hear. And we all know Lou Lamorello is very good at keeping his cards to his chest, not really letting too much leak out. And it's really hard for me to say that. It's really hard for me to say that this is a team that is as bad as it looked. Shout out to Adam Vanilla jumping on here. Bonilla, excuse me. Hello from Arizona. Do you think Florida will go after Jacob Chikrin in the offseason if they lose in the first round? Hmm. Interesting topic. Hold that, hold that thought there, Adam. But going back here to Barry Trotz, I, this team is not as bad as it was this year. Now, yes, were they maybe punching above their weight? You can say that, but they did it for three years. You don't just punch above your weight for three seasons. The 2006 Edmonton Oilers that came within one win of a Stanley Cup championship in 06 against the Canes, of course, that was a team that was punching above their weight and was kind of beneficiary of, of a very odd post-lockout season. These Islanders are actually built to be this good. Semi Varlamov is not this bad. Thomas, or not Thomas Christ, excuse me, Ilya Sorokin is not this bad. Yes, you're paying guys like Matt Martin. You're paying guys like Leo Komarov. I understand that. There's a lot of older fellas there. Obviously, they had Zdeno Chara and Andy Green on their blue line, which by the looks of things, that might not be the case next year. 
I really don't point the finger at Barry Trotz. I really think this was a one-off year for the Islanders. Obviously, there's going to be some changeover with this hockey club, which will make things a little bit interesting, but I don't point the finger at Barry Trotz. This team had an abysmally long road trip to start the season because their rink wasn't finished yet. And then they were one of the first couple teams to get have to be shut down due to COVID before the league shut down due to COVID. So I don't really point the finger at them there. It's been a very odd year. They Once they got some consistency in some games, they started to play well. But by that point, they were so far behind. They were last in the Metro through, I think, American Thanksgiving, close to Christmas. And they got and they were the last team to not make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Imagine if they were able to keep that up the entire season. You can't tell me that the team just said, oh, whatever, we'll just play anyways and have fun and, you know, kick rocks with the coach. No, I don't think this is the coach at all. I think this was just an off year, and I know Lou Lamarello is very famous for kind of getting rid of coaches sooner rather than later, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not sold on this decision on, on being the right one, you know? I don't think this is a... I don't think this is a crazy... Like, I don't think it's a great move. Um, am I locked out now? Gene Bennett. No, you're not locked out now. Um, you're right there, Gene Bennett. You're right in the conversation. Um... And the chat room. By the way, if you're just joining us, be sure to hop on the chat line with us here on World Hockey Report on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, one of the possible teams that Barry Trotz might go to, at least one that might make sense, Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. I've talked to him many times. Great guy. He used to cover the Manitoba Moose and came down to Grand Rapids every so often. He says that it might be the Winnipeg Jets that might be the team that would be a fit for Barry Trotz. There's also that. And there's also a discussion of would it be Vancouver? because they've obviously not committed to Bruce Boudreaux. There's obviously been people yelling from Detroit to get Barry Trott. Steve Eiserman, of course, similar to Lou Lamorello, not much for giving up uh, what, he wants to, what he wants to do. Very quiet young man, young man. <laughs> I just called Stevie Eiserman young. Holy cow. He was young 30 years ago. Not anymore, though. Now the general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. A couple other things here before we hit the break, before we get to Lauren Campbell from Nesson. The NHL draft lottery is tonight, 6.30. So right before puck drop on tonight's action, right before the first game, Boston taking on Carolina, we're going to find out who gets the number one pick. Obviously, the Montreal Canadiens have the best odds. They were the worst team in the NHL. Coming second is Arizona. I swear to goodness, if Shane Wright goes to Arizona, I'm going to lose my lid. And obviously, the teams fall in place from there. So there's a lot of, there's actually a few good teams. I say a few teams, I mean few good teams like, a few teams that are capable of looking like they're going to turn the corner coming up next season. Actually, not a bad poll for him. Uh, in regards to Barry Trotz, I presume there, Gene. I'm sorry. I must have missed that comment when it came in right off the hop. But it's going to be interesting to see who gets it. I know there's chance. You remember, this is the first year you cannot move up more than 10 spots, which means teams like Vegas and I believe Vegas and Winnipeg, I think, are two of the three that cannot jump in to, the, to actually – pick first overall I believe San Jose is the last team or the best team to have a chance at the number one spot Buffalo is still involved Ottawa is still involved two teams that I think are going to be a lot better Detroit's also going to be in the mix there so it'll be an interesting one tonight a couple women's hockey notes worth mentioning here Michaela Grant Mentis congratulations to her becoming the highest paid professional women's hockey player of all time she signs a one-year contract with the Premier Hockey Federation's Buffalo Buttes for $100,000 Canadian, which is around eighty grand American, the biggest contract. Congratulations to her. 
And that's a Buffalo team that was not good last year, if you ever paid attention to the PHF. And Michaela Grant-Mentis, of course, the league MVP. I'm really interested to see how she does with the team that finished last last season. Also, Amanda Pelkey signing with the Metropolitan Riveters of the PHF. Now, why is that notable, kids? Because, excuse me, because Pelkey was a member of the, pro, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. So really the first person to leave the PWHPA. So lots to get into. We may talk about it a little bit later on, but we'll have to wait and see. But first, we must take a quick break because on the other side, we're going to talk to Lauren Campbell from Nesson. Talk about the Boston Bruins and Carolina Hurricanes. Game five tonight from PNC Arena. But before I got to tell you that, guys, it is Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase because they are so expensive, sign up for SeatGeek and use the promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use the promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save $20. So when we come back, like we said, folks, Lauren Campbell from Nesson talking Bruins and Canes here on World Hockey Report. Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Take your game to the next level with Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Pro Rock is changing the way we buy top-of-the-line twigs. They're lightweight, balanced, and provide the perfect kick point. Whether you're a pro hockey player or a beer league legend, Pro Rock Hockey Sticks are made for you. They're at a price point you can't beat, so check them out today at ProRock.com. Play like a Pro Rock. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save $20. And. 
and welcome back everyone here to World Hockey Report T-Cool Tuesdays with me as always, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Cool. Be sure to jump in the chat, guys, if you are joining us on the Hockey Podcast Network or wherever you're joining us. You can jump on Twitter as well. Be sure to keep a, keep a tune in with our Twitter handles as well, at World Hockey RPT, guys, because remember, we're going to get to the question of the day later. What series do you think is going to go seven games in this opening round of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Gene Bennett getting on in there as well, saying Arizona needs it. Great market, just a hell of spark. For That's in regards, of course, to our discussion earlier about the NHL draft lottery, which we'll also discuss later. But first, we must talk about one of the series, one of the games tonight, and a series that many of us are thinking that might go seven games. I'll say that, too, because I picked Boston to go seven against the Carolina Hurricanes. And with that, we are now joined by one of the writers for Nesson up there in the Northeast, up in the Boston area, covering the Boston Bruins. Ladies and gentlemen, it is la 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 Lauren Campbell on the show. Lauren, how are we doing today? That was one of the best intros I've ever heard. I love it. Well, uh, so we got to get into that first, right? Because I, I, I would love to ask, you know, if chowder is a soup, because that's a discussion that we always have on the show sometimes. But I must ask you, where did the Twitter handle come from? And that's where it's a good way to plug this. At La 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 Lauren with four R's on Twitter, if you want to follow her and all of her amazing content, guys. Lauren, where did that come from? So it was actually my AOL screen name back in the day. So it's been around since I was like 12, 13 years old. And it just like, it just came to me one day when I wanted to change my screen name. So that's what you did every other month. And I was just like, la, 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 Lauren. It's perfect. And it's been the same thing. Like all my social media handles, my email, like everything. You know, if, if I were to have guessed, I would have thought you'd be a Buffalo Sabres fan. The way Rick Jenner used to say Pat LaFontaine whenever he scored. I'm like, <laughs> a Sabres fan in Boston? No, this, this can't be right. It'd almost be like saying you're like a big Doug Gilmore fan in your neck of the woods. Right, right. <laughs> but, but you know, Lauren, let, I'll be honest with you. We tried to talk. We tried to have you on Thursday. Unfortunately, our schedules didn't quite align. But I have to say, our conversation would have been much different than what it is today. I was going to ask you, oh, my gosh, Lauren, Boston, they're down 2-0. I get it. It's Carolina, but they're in trouble. What do they need to do differently? And here we are on Tuesday getting ready for Game 5 tonight, and the series is tied at 2. What happened, Lauren? What happened to the Bruins? They 100% played with that next man up mentality. They did not let their emotions get the best of them like we saw in games one and two. They were able to get under the hurricane skin, especially in, in game four. And they were just able, like I said, that next man up mentality. You're down Hampus Lindholm, Charlie McAvoy, and you needed a really, really big game from your entire team up and down the lineup. And that's exactly what they got. They were playing from behind. They need to stop playing from behind, but they were able to jump out, maintain that lead, and just play a really complete 60 minutes of hockey. And that's really important, too. And you mentioned next, next man up mentality, and that's a good way to ask this You know, before we get to the game tonight here. Uh, Hampus Lindholm obviously still out since that hit from Andrei Sveshnikov. I've heard rumors that he's been skating. I know he's, well, we've seen footage that he's been skating. Is he in the lineup tonight? He's not. He did not travel to Raleigh. Bruce Cassidy did say on Thursday that he's he's pretty sure he skated. He wasn't able to check in back in Boston by the time he was doing his press conference. But uh, Lindholm has been skating. He has a non-contact jersey on. So he, he, my guess is that he's probably pretty close to being cleared. And they're really hopeful for game six. So that's good news all around just because after the hit, Lindholm looked very, very disoriented, very lost. So this is still 
optimism for him to return for game six. And that would also be the return, the first return date for Charlie McAvoy, right? That that's what they're hoping for too. He has to, I think that's the first day he can actually clear protocol. So hopefully he can clear and be symptom free and get back, get back on his feet. Yeah, obviously, some people are saying, oh, my gosh, this is still a thing in the playoffs, having COVID protocol. Yeah, well, yes, kids, COVID's still a thing. <laughs> Trust me, get to report on it every single day. It's so much fun. But let, let's look at those two games, too, in a little bit more depth here. That first game, we see Jeremy Swayman come in. And, you know, I, I was thinking that the way Linus Allmark played in game one in Carolina, I thought, all right, you know what? They have two good goaltenders. Let's go Swayman in game two. Well, unfortunately, I don't have Bruce Cassidy's phone number. That didn't happen. They lose game two. Swayman comes in and really plays well. I don't want to say he stood on his head, but, you know, this guy was a kid that made his first NHL start on, on Saturday. Or excuse me. Yes. No. Friday. Start on Friday. Plays well. Gets the win. And then plays almost even better in game in the second game in game four. I mean, this is like this kid's on a meteoric rise after joining the team last season. Yeah, he absolutely is, and I think a lot of it is, too, now that we know that Tuka Rask is retired. He knows that that net is his and Linus Allmark's. He's not going anywhere, so I think being able to play with a little more confidence and knowing that this net is his, and he knew what he had to do coming into games three and four. That's a lot of pressure on a rookie goalie who's never started a playoff game before to go to go in there and to hope for a win, get that timely save, kind of bail the team out, and that's exactly what he did. He played well, and Allmark played fine in games one and two. There was, you know, some defensive breakdowns in front of him, but he didn't make a timely save that the Bruins desperately needed in those games. And Swayman came out and played two really strong games, and that's what earned him the net for tonight's game five. And by the way, if you're keeping track at home, he made 49 saves, allowing four goals over the weekend did Jeremy Swayman. So not too shabby for a kid making his first two playoff starts, which which has kind of happened a lot in the first round of the playoffs. Seems like yeah. everyone's had to play both goaltenders, which is crazy, Lauren. If you look back a couple years ago when we were touting the Boston Bruins on having probably the best goaltending tandem in the league with Rask and Halak, and now we see it kind of with this new blood of Swayman, and I don't say new blood with Allmark, but these two guys kind of establishing themselves as and maybe not the best. I think that's a little bit of an argumentative discussion for a different day, but certainly one of the top duos in net in the NHL. Yeah, they have fantastic chemistry. They have that goalie hug after every win, and they're just genuinely excited for each other when the other gets the net. And there's there felt like I mean, every, all season there was that goalie competition between the two of them, but between both of them, they never felt it was a competition, and they constantly said that. So to see them play well, build each other up. That was, it's really good to see because Swayman came in and with the intention of playing all season and, but knowing in the back of his head that Rask can come back at any time. And that was the the plan the entire season. So to see how the chemistry never missed the step in Swayman's brief absence when he was sent back to Providence and to see that carry into the playoffs, these guys are the real deal. Right. Yeah. And that's the best part as well. And, and, and the other real deal that we saw this past weekend reunited the perfection line. And, you know, it's, and I understood why Bruce Cassie wanted to split them up. He wanted to spread out the scoring. And let's be honest, for a good stretch of the regular season, it worked having Pasternak move down and play with Taylor Hall a little bit. But having Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshawn together in the playoffs, 
Holy moly. I mean, they had 10 points between the three of them the other day. I mean, it's it's incredible, Lauren, how they just, no matter if they're gone for a while, they, they snap, you put them back together, and boom, there they go. They're lighting it up, making it a 5-2 win. Like, this, that th- trio, it might be the best line, or maybe the best named line, I guess we can say, in today's NHL, too, right? Yeah, I mean, when they're on, they are on. And that's kind of been the question throughout playoffs in years past is, that line has been shut down or that line wasn't able to produce. And Bruce Cassie had finally seen enough from his forward lines in game two and put them back together at the end and liked what he saw. And it's been working. And I'm a big proponent of don't fix what's not broken. So I think sticking with them as as a line tonight is incredibly smart. I mean, they're just, they always seem to know where the other is on the ice. It's incredible to watch them. They're so in sync all the time. And a lot of it too is, Bergeron obviously leading the way and Pasternak not missing a step while he was with Taylor Hall. And Taylor Hall's played well, too, without Pasternak the last few games. That was yeah. a big question. So to see just kind of how the chemistry is still there with that top line while also not impacting Taylor's, Taylor Hall's play has been incredible. You know, I, I would love to mention Brad Marchand in the most positive light, but I got to ask you, you know, obviously things got a little bit, little bit nasty, a little bit tense at the end of game four. And you know, granted, when you know the fact that this is the third time in four seasons that these two teams met in the playoffs, you know some animosity is going to be there. Mm-hmm. But this isn't, you know, with seeing a guy like Sveshnikov go crazy. This is a new guy that's been inserted into this, dare I say, old school Adams division rivalry pertaining to that the fact that the Canes are the Hartford Whalers. But that's a you know another time for me. But <laughs> but Marshan going after Tony D'Angelo toward like in the, I don't say going after, but like kind of getting up in his kitchen the entire game. Obviously, we all know Tony D'Angelo's a really good defenseman. The guy was a Norris candidate a couple years. He was getting Norris votes back in 2020. But obviously, the way things ended in New York pretty much painted him in a very sour light for all of us here. And Marshan tried to expose that a little bit. What is your take that's going on? We know Marshan, that's his game. He likes to play the pesty game. But it seemed like a lot of people were almost cheering for Marshan at the end of that game for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, with Tony D'Angelo's troubled past, a lot of people want to root against him. And even though he does bring a lot to this Carolina team, he's a skilled player, that's always going to be over his head. So if Marshan can go in there and kind of poke the bear, no pun intended, and just kind of get under his skin, he's going to do that. And you said it best, he plays that kind of test game. They call him a rat for a reason. And if he can get under somebody's skin without impacting his play, like we saw him lose his cool in game one or game two, I believe it was when he slashed the goalie, just like stupid getting, letting the emotions get the best of you kind of thing. But if he can do that without taking a penalty or getting fined, that's good news for the Bruins. It's bad news for the Hurricanes because D'Angelo is a passionate player. He's a hothead and he's going to respond. And if you can get him off the ice or, you can get under his skin. That's, like I said, good news for the Bruins, bad news for the Hurricanes. Yeah, and that's going to be a big thing going forward here. And we're wrapping things up here, talking with Lauren Campbell from Nesson, who covers the Bruins all the time. Nesson, who, once again, we talk about Tony D'Angelo. Jack Edwards got a little bit of praise, which from outside of the Boston market, Lauren, doesn't happen a whole lot. I don't know if you've seen Twitter sometimes for Jack Edwards, but even he got some love when he was calling Tony D'Angelo a poor sport when he chucked his stick at Brad Marchand. But I got to ask you, how long do you think this series is going to go here? I mean, a lot of people are voting seven, obviously well-deserved. It's going back and forth right now between both teams. Obviously, it seems like home ice plays the advantage here. 
But do we see it wrap up in the next two nights here? Or are we going to see, you know, possibly going into the weekend here, a seventh game in Raleigh in a few days? My original prediction from the beginning was Bruins in six. So I'm going to stick with that. But it would not surprise me in the least if this goes the distance. That I yeah, I I wouldn't deny it either. It's it's going to be an interesting series and maybe possibly I, I mean, I picked Boston. I really I really think they may have a shot to do it. This perfection line may be working out all right. But we'll just have to wait and see. We've been chatting up here, guys, once again with Lauren Campbell from Nesson, talking about the Bruins and the Canes. 7 o'clock Eastern time, 5 o'clock Mountain time. Puck drop in that game tonight. Catch it, of course, on your favorite, wherever you get the games, whether you're in Canada, the United States, or if you are in the New England area, Nesson. And then you can read up on Lauren's reports on them after the game as well. At La 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 Lauren with four R's. That's right. Cuatro R's. That's not how you say R in Spanish, but that's okay. I'm not really here to give a Spanish class. <laughs> Lauren, thank you once again. I appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me. Let's have some good hockey tonight. Absolutely. Four games on tap, guys. Four game fives with 2-2. That was Lauren Campbell, of course, once again from Nesson. And yes, we'll get to the chat here room just a second. But once again, guys, thank you all very much for watching and listening. Of course, I probably should mention that you might be listening to this episode after the games. We'll get down a little bit of the chat here. Cody Jansen trying to poke the bear saying bees are buzzing. Bruins are buzzing. You should have said bees are buzzing. Cody, come on. It's in the initial itself. But guys, so if you do need a new hockey stick, are you like me, a beer leaguer or a guy that maybe maybe, you know, you have a kid or something that's trying to play, but you just see sticks that are so expensive all the big brands keep raising their prices, making the game more unaffordable than ever before. But you don't have to fall for that. Pro Rock Hockey Sticks, a true Canadian company with real morals, offering players of all levels top-of-the-line stick at a fraction of the cost. Lighter, more balanced, and has more customizable options than anything off the rack. Check out the family-run business today at ProRock.com. But, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be an interesting night. I'm interested to see how it plays out, what carries over from Game 4, Sometimes things kind of hang around, but we will just have to wait and see. But let's get in the chat here. Boss, Gene Bennett, Gene Bennett getting in there hard and heavy here in the chat line. Uh, let's quickly go back to the draft lottery. It's been good, some good conversation we got going over here. Adam Bania saying that he would like to see Logan Cooley at number two. That's, of course, if Coyotes get number two. I like Logan Cooley. I think he's he certainly has an upside. Obviously, this draft is being dominated by Shane Wright and Uri Slikovsky from the Czech Republic. Or from Slovakia, excuse me, not Czech Republic. Oh, boy. Almost started another war over there. Ah, we got enough of those as it is. But, yeah, I like Logan Cooley. I th- you know, he's a good player from the U.S. National Development Program. I think, uh, I'm not saying he's going to, I don't think he's going to be a guy, though, that comes to the Coyotes anytime soon. And I think if the, or any team that selects him, I'll be honest with you. So, but that's a good idea, Adam. I'm interested to see where that goes. Cody Jansen saying Wild and Blues are going seven for sure. Uh, Gene saying Boston will probably take the first series in seven, but I doubt they make it past the second round. Interesting because that would be the winner of the two, three matchup coming out of the metropolitan division. And that's the Rangers and Rangers and Pittsburgh, which might be a well-rested penguins team. If they were to win tomorrow night after hammering the Rangers, this time, not giving up a four, one lead Richard Farley off topic. New York Rangers won the cup in 1994, finally ended the 1940 chance. And the first thing the Rangers broadcaster, Sam Rosen, says, and this one will last a lifetime. I remember thinking WTF. Now, Richard, I, you know, Sammy Rosen, I, I still think he's one of the best in the game. I know he's getting older, and him and Joe Micheletti have been together for a long time, ever really since John Davidson left the broadcast booth. You know, it, it, every team has their favorite broadcaster and their favorite broadcaster's call, you know? 
for a lot of a lot of Leafs fans, Leafs Nation still, they even though, you know, there was the the great wins of Bill Barilko scoring a goal back in 1951 and all that stuff in the 67 team, and there's still some people that look at and even Doug Gilmore 93, they still look at Joe Bowen, bless you boys, what a game from the 02 playoffs as one of the best calls in their lifetime. And Sammy Rosen gave that to a lot of Rangers fans in Rangers towns in 94, because once again, they hadn't won in 54 years. Toronto, of course, is creeping up on that number right now. And you know what? It, it still, for them, it matters a lot. And I keep seeing in those commercials saying they want one more cup and like, or they're showing a Rangers fan saying he wants one more. I'm like, I don't know, guys. I mean, the range, I'm mean, not just the fact they're down three, one, but it, it's tough to win nowadays. And in, Certainly, you have to remember that Rangers team in 94 was very good. They'd won the President's Trophy in two out of the three years. And, like, they were, yeah, they took it took them a little bit to, they had some issues with the New York Islanders. I remember they beat, they of course, they had the seven-game series, both the Devils and the Canucks. I can't remember who their other playoff series was against now off the top of my head. That's going to hurt because it was, because I remember they played the Islanders. I can't remember who that other series was. But regardless of my point, it was a, a big, a big game for them. Um, after the grandfathered era. To, to, sorry, I'm going. So back here, I'm pretty sure. Mac- oh, Gene Bennett says, still mad McCarr didn't get a mention for the Norris. Interesting. Uh, well, I, I'm not saying interesting. Because, uh, well, Gene, for, first of all, we can, actually, let's get into that. A couple Norris, uh, the Norris candidates and the Vezina candidates have been announced. Uh, Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi, and Kale McCarr have been named Norris Trophy finalists. So, Gene, don't worry. Kale McCarr is in the conversation for the Norris. And, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens here because I myself, I think Victor Hedman's the best defenseman in the NHL. I really do. And, you know, it, back in the day when I'd say the voters were more likely to keep giving guys trophies, I think it might happen where Victor Hedman gets it again, but I feel like nowadays they want to just change it up, hence why Adam Fox, for some reason, won it last year. Don't get me started on that again. But McCarr's obviously a, a great nomination. I think Roman Yossi deserves it. I mean, Roman Yossi should be getting Hart Trophy candidates. The way he, him and Yossi Saros really led the Predators, which we will get to here in a minute. It'll be interesting to see. So don't worry. Kale McCarr is in the conversation. Speaking of Vesna, Yossi Saros is a candidate for the Vezina Trophy, along with Jacob Markstrom for the Calgary Flames, and, of course, Igor Shosturkin. So, yeah, don't worry. There, there are some, there's some discussions to be had about who should be winning what trophy. Hedman been the man for a lot of years. That's right, Gene. And trying to make sure missing anyone else here that jumped into the chat while we were talking there with Lauren. I know Adam was in there. Gene Bennett saying, we'd love to see Cooley and Dylan Gunther, what they can do together. That's a pretty good combo there, Adam. I like that combo. even though they would be playing in a barn that is smaller than half the Ontario Hockey League. But regardless, it'll be interesting to see what Arizona gets tonight in the draft lottery. Let's move on to the games that happened last night. Let's start off with the Rangers and Penguins, because I think this one will take the least amount of time. And because I don't know what happened over the weekend. Pittsburgh on Saturday, they come out guns a blazing. It's four, one after one period, Igor Shosturkin, is getting in the hook and everything, and it seems like pick Pittsburgh. All right, they're gonna they're back in the series. They're taking a two one lead. They got this. And then the Rangers came back and made things really interesting. It went full scale Boston Bruins twenty thirteen against the Leafs, coming back from four one down, tying the game before the end of the second period, and then Pittsburgh ended up winning it in the third period. So we didn't have the quite as dramatic overtime finish. However, though, last night 
Alexi Lafreniere scores first for the Rangers, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's what the Rangers need. They need a good start. They need to get on the right foot. And then the second period happened. Five goals in the second period. And I'm telling you guys, Sidney Crosby is a beast. And I don't think, and I've been saying that now for, what's it, 16, 17 years now? This guy continues to chug along. The guy had a goal and two assists last night. He'd opened the scoring for Pittsburgh in the first period, tying the game at one. But then, I mean, the line of Gensel, Rust, and Crosby, I think they combined for six points last night. They just keep working. And what Pittsburgh did very efficiently in that game last night was they controlled the play. I think they're starting to get comfortable to have a good system to be played in front of Louis Domingue. Because we're still at that point right now where Tristan Jari's return is a massive unknown. And Casey DeSmith is done for this season. And I could not tell you who is backing up Louis Domingue right now. That is how scarce the goaltending position is for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yet, Pittsburgh was able to play their game last night. Take advantage. I mean, they, didn't even, they only had one power play goal, right? Yeah, they had one power play goal all of last night. All the other six of their seven goals came even strength. And Malkin, of course, scored his second in the playoffs. Gensel added two. No, Gensel just had one, his fifth of the playoffs. It seems like he's been scoring two goals a game at this rate. But you get Dan Heinen scoring. Mike Matheson scoring his first playoff goal. They were controlling the play, not allowing New York any real sustained offensive zone pressure. And Louis Domingue made some good saves. I'm not going to say no to that. But the point I'm trying to make here is that they know they have to play a certain way because they can't rely on their goaltender. Remember last year when they lost to the Islanders? Like we thought, we all thought, hey, Tristan Jari could be a difference maker. He was in the wrong sense. And now we go into this series thinking to ourselves, oh no, there is no goaltender back there. And Pittsburgh's like, let's not play like we did last year when Tristan Jari started to poop the bed. Let's play a tough, controlling, and very offensively minded game. Like they, they play smart and they, I think what they're doing as well. Uh, tighter rinks are way more fun, Gene Bennett. I do agree tighter rinks are more fun. I do like the international game, but I do like the you know regulation size. But Gene Bennett says, poor Rangers, growing pains equals fans pain. Yeah, yeah, you're right on that one, Richard. I, I, I agree with you there because I think we all expected New York to be better this season. I didn't think they were going to finish second in the division. I didn't think they had a shot to tickle with the division championship yet. At the end of the regular season, they were right there. Now, granted, yes, their Vesna candidate goaltender had a lot to do with that. But we're seeing now, I think, maybe some of the youth getting exposed. Because, like I say, 87 and 71 are still there. I, it's hard to not pick against them. or to, It's hard to pick against them, pardon me. Because Crosby... He just knows how to win hockey games. Like, if anyone picked a team out of all, like an all-star team of the NHL, if you're able to pick 20 players, 18 skaters, two goaltenders, who would you go? And you can pick them all by yourself. You don't have to try to fight anyone. Who would you pick? Probably pick Connor McDavid first. And let's be honest, I don't know how many would still pick him in top two. I might pick him second. But in your top five, you have Sidney Crosby. Because I know he gets older. And I know if you look at the stats, you probably think Alex Ovechkin's had the more successful career. But I just, like, there's just times when Sidney Crosby can do this thing where he's like, I'm going to be that great next one that you all said I was going to be coming in the league. I'm just going to do that right now if that's okay. And that's what makes him so good. Gene Bennett says, really thought it was kind of back, or 
kind of a back and re-examine season for the Rangers, but they put that foot forward. Yes, I agree with the Rangers have been a lot better. They just have not been able to stop Pittsburgh in the last two games. Now I do say Gerard Gallant came out right after game four, even though we saw Shesterkin pulled that into that second period where he allowed five goals. Georgiev came in for the third period. He gave up one himself. That was the Malkin goal. He came out and said Shesterkin for game five. And I really think that's because he's like, it's our last shot. What do we got to lose? He what? He's our number one guy. He's the guy that got us here. Let's see if we can win one at home. Because, I mean, yeah, listen, 3-1 deficits are not insurmountable. They can be, you can come back from them. But you do have to win on home ice. But then you have to go back to win in Pittsburgh, which Pittsburgh just seemingly like, it's looking like Dallas right now, which is a very, like, two underlying scary rinks to play in right now. Pittsburgh and Dallas. We'll get to Dallas and Calgary a little bit later on, though. But Richard Farley says Crosby is much better two-way player than Ovi, not even close. I agree. That is why, like, and that's why it's hard to ever pick, like, the Mount Rushmore of hockey, right? Because, you know, you try to compare eras and all that stuff, and that's why, like, I, grew, I get it. I grew up in Michigan. I got to watch this guy a lot when I was a kid. That's why I still think Stevie Eiserman is probably one of the most underrated superstars of, our, of my lifetime because he unfortunately had to play in an era where there was Gretzky, where there was Lemieux, where there was a guy, you know, Patrick Waugh, Marty Berdur, and there were so many other superstars. I mean, you had the surgeons of Timu Solani. You had Pavel Bure, who just seemed like captivated everyone for five to six years. And during that time, like, Eiserman had 65 goals, multiple 50-goal seasons, 100-point seasons. And, oh, by the way, only won three Stanley Cups as well. You know, like, it's so crazy to look at that and say that he was not that great. I still say if he played one more year, he'd be part of the 700 goal club, even though he could have like retired like everyone else did during the lockout year and gone to the hall of fame. No questions asked, but yeah, that to your point, Eisman was a beast gene. That is 100% right. And that's why I say Richard Farley, I would love to have Alex Ovechkin on my team, but I would rather have Sidney Crosby first because while, while Ovechkin has won a cup now, Crosby has shown throughout his entire career, that he can be a winner. Unfortunately, he just kind of had a couple bad instances. Marc-Andre Fleury kind of having some gaffes in the playoffs and the fact that, well, this team has had some change over in the last couple of years. I know I'm not going out and saying Pittsburgh's going to be a Stanley Cup contender, but there's a good chance they could end things tomorrow night. Let's talk about the things, though, that did end, though, last night. Consistency, Gene Bennett, that is correct. That's what Stevie Eiserman was. Whether he was a consistently good offensive player or when Scotty Bowman came in, a consistently good two-way player. Let's talk about the, the season that did end last night in Smashville. The one sweep we have in this first round, the Colorado Avalanche, to no one's surprise, sweeping the National Predators. That is one we all picked here at World Hockey Report. We all picked Colorado pretty quickly. And that's because they didn't have UC Saros. If UC Saros is in net for Nashville, he doesn't get hurt late in the regular season. We are having a, I think this series could have gone six or seven because that's what a good goaltender can do. And it didn't happen. You know, they gave Dave Riddick a chance and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, did not go well. And they put Connor Ingram in. All right, let's see how it goes. And by golly, he, he almost, he single-handedly almost won Nashville two games. Connor Ingram, I think, the guy needs some more credit, you know. And this is, if there's anything that Preds fans can take into the offseason, 
And I know Philip Forsberg is going to be on the conversation of everyone's minds, but the fact that they can go into this offseason and say, hey, we have two good goaltenders again. We have a Pecorino-UC Saros combination here, you know, where for years it was Pekka or bust. And for seemingly the most of this regular season, it was Saros or bust. But now you know that Connor Ingram can play. Connor Ingram almost single-handedly won game two by himself. And yeah, game three went a little bit sideways and just, but you get that feeling though, that there was easily one bounce here or there that they could have won a game. Now, yes, games one and three were a little bit lopsided, but Nashville had the lead in that third period, a three, two lead. Unfortunately, you know, this kid uh, that Gene and I were talking about earlier, you know, Kale McCarr, a uh, pretty good cat. He only, he's only had, you know, 10 points in the, in the, the four. 10 points in four playoff games. The, the guy is crazy. Gene says, big ups to Ingram, though homeboy fought his A star star off. I don't know if I can say that. Worked his butt off 100%. Like, the guy made big saves when his team was getting pinned in their own zone. Uh, Nathan McKinnon was fantastic, though. Ends up getting five goals in the series as well, which is right now tied for the most in the playoffs. With a few other guys as well. That might change because some other series are going longer. Uh, Devin Tays, Valerie Nachushkin ends up getting the game-winning goal, also scoring last night. Connor Ingram made 33 saves last night. Uh, Andre Burakovsky, of course, with the shot that went through the net. Holy cow. Going all Shea Weber. Uh, it's funny, watching the broadcast last night, everyone's like, and that puck is off the outside of the goal. And then Andre Burakovsky's like, no. No, I, I, I scored the thing. And they look back, and it's pretty obvious it did go through the net. Great shot from a really bad angle, too. Pavel Fransos. Getting the start for Colorado because I wonder if Darcy Kemper was actually going to be good to go if they needed him. You know, obviously he got the stick in the eye after game and during game three, which Francois had to come in. Thankfully, the game didn't get too it didn't get to the point where they needed Francois to really step up. But we've seen Francois play well in the past. Now, remember, notably in the 2020 bubble, Francois had to come in for an injured Philip Grubauer. Actually, pardon me. I was wrong. Had to start for Philip Grubauer because Philip Grubauer didn't even play. I forgot about that. He got hurt during the outdoor game at, at the Air Force. So, Francois, I mean, he's got playoff experience, so they can trust him. And I think, I mean, he played well, you know. And I think it was a, in an instance where the Avs knew they were up 3 nothing. Why throw in your starting goaltender if he's not 100% if you can win with the other guy? If this were a Patrick Waugh, Craig Billington scenario, then yes, I probably would have put the starting goaltender in. Uh, that is a 90s Colorado Avalanche reference where they had a goaltender that wasn't even at 500, but Patrick Wall was so good, it didn't matter. That If you want to go on your hockey DB, look up Craig Billington's stats. For, I think it was like the 90, was it 95, 96, or 96, 97. I can't remember which year it was. It was not the year Mark Denis backed up Patrick Wall. So go ahead and look that up, guys. It's pretty, pretty interesting. But yeah, Nashville, it's, it's a tough way to go out. Certainly, they would have had a better opportunity to win a couple games if they had Saros in net. But you know what? The puck doesn't bounce away sometimes. Shoot. You remember the 2014 series, Montreal and Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay was really good that year. They had home ice advantage going to the playoffs. But what happened shortly before that, kids? Ben Bishop went down. And Anders Limbach had to be the starting goaltender for Tampa. Montreal, four straight. Easy stuff. Like, <laughs> it, it was that bad for the bolts that year. And that just shows you if you don't have a, if you don't have a number one goaltender, it might be bad. Uh, trust in Frankie, Virginia Bennett. Well, you know what? That might be a, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, th I think if these series go as long as they do, that might push the second round back even more. 
But I still think you go back to Kemper if that's the case. Obviously, having Pavel Francouz is really important. And like we mentioned with Lauren when we were talking to her earlier, the fact that you can have two goaltenders that can play in that is very important. But obviously, Kemper is your guy. So, but like I said, it's good to know that they have a safety blanket back there. Predators done for the playoffs. Colorado, they'll be waiting for the winner of the Minnesota Wild and St. Louis Blue Series, which we'll get to in just a little bit. Uh, by the way, we're going to talk about Stars and Flames coming up here. We will not talk about the Caps and Panthers yet. That'll be later on. Hopefully, we have hopefully John Walton steps by. He is still on an airplane as far as... Oh, okay, cool. Actually, just confirmed. John Walton will be on at 2.45. He just said he just landed on the plane now. 4.45 should be okay. Perfect. Play-by-play voice of the Washington Capitals, John Walton, will be joining us later on to talk about last night's game between the Caps and the Cats. But let's get to Dallas. I, it's so weird because Bruce Levine and I talk about this all, all the time. We talked about it at least when we, you know, whenever we have conversation about the Dallas Stars. This American Airlines Center during the regular season can just go through long spurts of just not really having a whole lot of fans in there. You know, if you see a, a Wednesday night game between Dallas and, I don't know, the Islanders, like it's not going to be a full house there at the AAC. However, as we've seen over the last two games, it is loud there at the AAC. Like, how can you not get excited for the Dallas, like not cheer for the Dallas Stars a little bit? Like the crowd's loud. The crowd's excited. It's fun to watch them. I'm a little bit partial because I'm from Grand Rapids and the Grand Rapids Griffins use the exact same goal horn as the Dallas Stars, but they don't use the same goal song though. But that is also why I don't mind the Dallas Stars because the Dallas Stars have the best goal song in the league, bar none. I don't care who you are. I don't. I love the canon in Columbus. I think it's kind of funny, but they don't have the good goal song. Pantera still exists in Dallas. So as far as I care, Dallas is a wonderful thing because they have Pantera. They have the Dallas Dun Dun Stars. Dallas Dun Dun Stars. Like it's beautiful. I don't know why it's not on Spotify or wherever I can get it because it's such a it's such a jam. Like it gets me even riled up. If you ever want to know the story about that song, by the way. It came from the relationship, I believe it was, uh, wasn't Tenority, was it? I can't, was it uh, Mark Tenority? I think it was Mark Tenority had a relationship with Vinnie Paul, who was the drummer. Him and uh, Dimebag, uh, who was the guitarist for Pantera back in the day. Obviously, Pantera based in Texas, in Dallas. And they created a song for the Dallas Stars, and it came to, it came to be a popular during their 99 Cup run. So if you're ever curious on a little bit of trivia, that's where they got it from. Um, but... Last night was an interesting game. Very tight off the start, which we expect, but Calgary did something they had not done in the first three games of the playoffs against Dallas here. That was get offense. They got chances. They were they were getting opportunities. They were getting good looks. Jake Ottinger, if you don't know who he is, you do now. First of all, that glove save on Tyler Tafoy, the... Yeah! The, the, the whip it back glove save and robbing Toffoli. When he made that save, I said to myself, one nothing stars, because I thought he was not going to get beat at all. And, and it just, it was going to, you knew it was going to be another tight game throughout the entire contest. And, you know, Andre made 50 saves. This is a, a, yes, I know he appeared a little bit in 2020, in the 2020 playoffs, but like, this is a kid. This is a this is a youngster, and I know Rasmus Anderson scores first in the f- second period, 
and they made it one nothing. But you thought, all right, Dallas can still score, right? Well, then Johnny Goudreau gets a penalty shot. And I know everything with the concussion protocols got a little bit people up in arms. I understand that. But it, I'm not angry about it because like concussion spotters can be kind of finicky sometimes. When a guy goes down and it looks like he might have gotten hit high, there's going to be some guys that are saying, all right, pull him. And even in a playoff game. So the fact he was able to come back was good. The fact that he was able to get a penalty shot, even better. I am a little bit skeptical on the penalty shot call itself. I don't think it was that egregious of a hook. Richard Farley says, once my team is out, I am always rooting underdog anyone else. Gene Bennett, always. Yes, I agree as well. I am going to become the biggest Washington Capitals fan if they make it out of this round against the Florida Panthers. Then again, they are the underdog because I'll be honest with you, if you are Tampa and Toronto, do you want to play Florida or do you want to play a beaten up Washington Capitals team with Ilya Samstonov as their goaltender? That's a conversation we'll have later on. But my point is, wrapping things back here to Dallas and Calgary, Goudreau gets hooked. Not a major hook, but you know what? That's how they've been calling it these playoffs. Hey, we want consistency, kids. We're getting consistency. Consistently, some pretty, you know, call interesting calls that might not have been called in postseasons past. Anyways, he goes down. Nice little move. Goes backhand between the five hole. Hated giving that up as a goaltender because you think he's going to go around your pads. So you do the full spread eagle split stretch, pull your groin, throw your hip out, realizing you have to have surgery by the time you're 42. And then the puck goes in your five hole. All that effort for nothing. So I, I'm kind of, I feel bad for Ottinger because obviously it's penalty shots are nice as a goaltender because it's one-on-one, but it's still a tough one to stop. Elias Lindholm does score later on in the period. He gets his third of the series. Michael Backlund ends up getting the insurance marker. Tyler Sagan, the lone goal scorer for Dallas. Um, another thing we got to mention as well, Jamie Benn getting fined $5,000 for slew footing Trevor Lewis, or as the Angel Department of Player Safety calls it, tripping. Because, I mean, it is technically a trip, but it is a slew foot. But I don't think that's necessarily the definition of it. But regardless, kind of a sleazy play. Now I think Jamie Ben has paid $10,000 in fines so far in this series. And we're just going back to Calgary. So it's hard for me to look, say, for Dallas, like what do they need to do differently? Because Calgary did exactly what we expected them to do earlier on this series last night. And that was open up their offense, stretch out Dallas's weak points on defense, yeah, they have Heisken. Yes, they have Klingberg. Yes, there's, I mean, I think Andre Sequeiro uh, was, is coming back here soon. But yes, the fact of the matter is, is that Calgary's offensive weapons are a little bit deeper than the defensive weapons for the Dallas Stars. And Jake Ottinger saved the bacon. This could have easily been a 6-1, 7-1 game last night had Ottinger not stood on his head. I, you know, the, the kid was fantastic. 50 saves. Markstrom plays well, though, himself. I don't think we should probably not knock Markstrom on this because Markstrom made some pretty big saves in that second period as well to make sure at one point it was only a one nothing game or at even at points it was still scoreless. Didn't want Dallas to score first at home because that crowd, we how we know how just apps, like we said, it's a very sneakishly loud playoff crowd in Dallas. So that's a huge win for Calgary because now it goes back to, to, to Scotiabank saddle dome tomorrow night. I advantage Calgary. But here's the thing, though, as we're going to talk about later on here with John Walton, playoff momentum does not exist. As much as I want it to exist, it does not. It's actually tough to to get some momentum, as we've seen in this series. I think the only one really we can say now is maybe Pittsburgh, because they used home ice to their advantage, and then I guess Boston, Carolina, for that matter, because the home team has only won in the first four games of that series. But you look at Tampa, Toronto, which we'll get to, Minnesota, St. Louis, 
you know, this series between Dallas and Calgary, it doesn't matter where you play. They could be playing on a, in a sandbox on in Atlantic Beach or Atlantic City, whatever the heck you want to call it. They could be playing out there. It wouldn't matter. Like, that's how tight these series are, despite some of the scores maybe being a little bit lopsided on some other series, which we'll get to here a little bit later on. So, yeah, it just, it's fun. It's exciting. Gene Bennett says Dallas would be fun as a conference final. Uh, can we all agree it's a very rough sport? And if you're a player and don't understand that and looking for a penalty every five seconds, don't play the sport. I agree with you there, Gene, because I, I'm still a little bit up and awe about how Pierre Engvall kind of got pushed around a little bit in a, in a scrum late in that Toronto-Tampa game on Sunday and didn't do anything. And, you know, I, I don't think he was looking for a call, but my point is that there are, to Gene's point as well, that there are instances where players look for penalties and whatnot. And it is kind of weird this year they're actually getting penalties because typically in playoffs pass, you have to adjust your game. And I don't think it's the refs that change, the players do. Elliot Friedman says that a lot on, on 32 Thoughts. And it's a real good point because I don't really think the play, the refs change. I just think the players still here. Adam Bonilla still here, just also at work, LOL. Don't worry, Adam. We'll be keeping chatting here with you. And thank you for jumping in the chat as well. And if you're just joining us, guys, please join the chat. It's fun. Look at this. We got Gene filling it up here. Richard Farley talking about the Rangers possibly being out tomorrow night. I mean, his team before once they get eliminated. <laughs> Richard, just giving you some flack there, Richard. Uh, Adam in there as well. Cody Jansen popping in and out there as well. Jump on in here, guys. Give us what you thought. Uh, let's take a look at our our question of the day. I'm curious to see what our numbers are looking like right now. Do, 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 do. Let's find. Oh my gosh, we have so many notifications. So many awesome people jumping on at World Hockey RPT right now, guys. Let's go to the question of the day. The question was, which series goes seven games right now? The votes in the lead: forty-seven point one percent Leafs and Lightning. Wild and Blues is second at 41.2%. Oilers and Kings in third with 7.8%. However, other, which there are no other comments, uh, that is sitting at 3.8%. But still a lot to get to. So yeah, go ahead and put your vote in there at World Hockey RPT. Or if you're watching us on the chat right now, the live stream chat, let us know what you think. Uh, Cody Jansen said Wilds and Blues is going to go at seven. Gene Bennett says what? I apologize. Yeah, I apologize. I'm dominating the chat. Don't worry, Gene. If you if you were, we would just tell you to calm down. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to tell you to do that. Uh, we're going to take a break, though, folks, because when we come back, we're going to talk about the games that are going on tonight. Four series, five game fives, 2-2 two, two each. No momentum whatsoever for either team, it seems like. We'll get to all that more coming up here on World Hockey Report. Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which 
which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Take your game to the next level with Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Pro Rock is changing the way we buy top-of-the-line twigs. They're lightweight, balanced, and provide the perfect kick point. Whether you're a pro hockey player or a beer league legend, Pro Rock Hockey Sticks are made for you. They're at a price point you can't beat, so check them out today at ProRock.com. Play like a Pro Rock. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save $20. And... And welcome back, everyone, here to World Hockey Report here on this Tuesday edition of World Hockey Report. T-Cool Tuesdays, that's right. I'm also going to be on Thursday as well, guys. A uh, couple of reasons. One, Cody Jansen and I decided, you know, we should probably switch off Thursdays. The guy's got a life, too. He's got he's got a gal on his side there. He's got work he's got to do. So we decided, hey, let's have some fun. Let's let's uh, let's kind of trade off Thursdays. Also, the fact that I'm going to be in Mauritius next week, which is an island off of Africa, off of Madagascar. So I'm going to be like not off the grid, but I'm just going to be very far away from here. So I won't be hosting any shows. My wife just yelled from the other room because she could hear me. She says I'm going to be off the grid. Uh, don't worry, guys. Cody and I will still be in touch. Don't you worry. Um, Gene Bennett says, nope, that was in regards to being dominating the chat. She, yeah, mainly saying that they will not be, they will not be silenced, Gene Bennett, that is. And so, but first, before we get to tonight's games, guys, like we said, lots of good action tonight. We talked about Boston and Carolina earlier on we'll kind of just touch on that if you guys missed that episode or missed that interview earlier on uh, don't forget as well in about 40 minutes time we're going to be joined by john walton from the washington capitals the radio play-by-play voice a guy that i've gotten to know pretty well but first guys it's the stanley cup playoffs which means world hockey report whr ot challenge is back that's right and we're presented by player this year so whenever a playoff game goes to overtime you have to hop on twitter at world hockey rpt if you want to check it out and pick your goal scorers using the hashtag WHROTChallenge to be entered to win awesome World Hockey Report prize pack from player. Hammer down on hashtag WHROTChallenge to win. Came close the other night to having a world... Or actually, we had one last night. I don't know when you picked Carter Verhage to score, but like I said, we'll talk with John about that and try to figure out what exactly happened last night in... Washington, the district, as they call it, because I guess you have to come up with a name for the town you're in. Uh, But anyways, yeah, no, I will say I missed the first part of that game. I had to rewatch that game back because I went to go see the new Doctor Strange movie with the misses. And I tell you guys, 
no spoilers here. You got to go see it. Just saying, if you're a Marvel fan and you're into that, if you're into those movies and you and you have an idea of how the cinematic universe has gone through the years, and if you're you got to go see it. It's very even if you've never seen one before, you might need someone to help explain some things to you. But it's actually a very fun movie to go see. Gene Bennett says, "Oh, so good, darn right, it is awesome." So, uh, all right, let's get into the games. The last so quickly, one last thing here. We'll get. I'll mention Boston and Carolina here. I I really like this matchup for Carolina. And then it's one thing, unfortunately, we couldn't get to with Lauren. What's it going to take for Boston to win a game on the road? Because we've seen, obviously, PNC Arena. When they're when the playoffs are going down there in Raleigh, they, those people are just crazy. They're, they're Smashville crazy. Like, it's just, our team is here. Our team's in the playoffs. We're good. Like, it's like that sort of thing. Like, they have no idea what's going on half the time, it seems like. But they are there, and they are allowed. I mean, the, the Hurricane fan base has always been there. And I know there was a few years there that they were a little bit of a joke. The end of Jeff Skinner's time there kind of comes to mind. But no question about it. This is a hockey team and a hockey fan base that's very passionate about their team. If the Bruins can find a way to manage the crowd, if they can score first in a game tonight, I think that's going to be really vital for them to winning on the road. Because like we mentioned, the first four games, the home teams have won all of them. I mean... We all thought the series was over. Like I mentioned with Lauren, it was going to be a different conversation if we had her on Thursday. Lauren, what's going on with the Bruins? They're getting their teeth kicked in down there in Raleigh. Well, they kicked the Canes' teeth in in two games in Boston. So if they, it seems like whoever can win a road game first, right? Or if you're, if you're Carolina's case, I'm like, hey, if we go seven, that's fine by us. That means we have the last game on our path. So I, I'm. it's going to come down to the perfection line. Uh, ignoring the crowd for Boston. Gene, that is right. That is a crazy, crazy, crazy fan base that's very passionate. And we'll let you know if you're, if you especially like, never say you're from New York. Like, it's almost better to say you're from Canada. Like, I know a lot of people that have actually like Leafs fans that have gone to Boston games and then got made fun of, but like, oh, it's like, oh, you're Canadian. Okay, you're not, you're not awful. BC Hockey Podcast, great show. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys. Check them out as well here on the Hockey Podcast Network, BC Hockey Podcast as well as all the great shows on THPN, as well as all the shows here on 12 Ounce Sports, if you're watching on the 12 Ounce Sports YouTube channel and jumping in the chat as well. Uh, Beer, sports, whatever podcast says, hi, guys. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? But Boston tonight, not going to make any picks on this game because, like I said, if Boston scores first, they're in the right spot, but it's hard to not pick Carolina in a game like this because the Canes have, we've seen so far, very strong at home. And like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what carries over from game five between the whole uh, Tony D'Angelo, Brad Marchand, little scuffle we saw there. Tampa and Toronto, back in Toronto, 5.30 puck drop, 7.30 Eastern time. Boy, <laughs> it's one of these instances, like three of the four games have been lopsided, guys. Have been, I don't say, well, I can't say blowouts because yes, Toronto came back to make it 5-3 in game two, I know. And obviously they had to squeak out a 3-2 win, or excuse me, a 5-2 win in game three. I said, I keep saying three, two because there were two empty net goals. And of course, Joe Bowen with the hilarious call on the radio for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ilya Mikheyev has, or Pierre Engvall has the puck and he sees Ilya Mikheyev. Joe Bowen's just like, put the damn thing in like going full Jim Ross. Like it's, it was kind of funny, but tonight's game is going to be interesting because Justin Hall is still in the lineup for the Toronto Maple Leafs who Sheldon Keefe was asked about saying in regards saying that Justin Hall is the worst defenseman on the team, even though Sheldon Keefe, 
said, like, that's your opinion. Steve Simmons, what a jerk. But I am, I'm trying to figure out what, what it takes to get momentum in this series because either the Leafs play really well or Tampa plays really well. Toronto came out sleepwalking in game four, and it hurt them because next thing, it was 2 nothing before he even knew it. Jack Campbell did get pulled in that game. And yeah, it got a little lopsided, had some, had a few scuffles and what have you. And yes, Toronto, I, I don't know what Toronto was trying to do with a comeback. Willie Nylander scores two goals after a pretty abysmal effort in the first two periods, pretty pedestrian effort, if you ask me. And can we, can we talk about this first? We'll, we'll get more into the matchup. Why? I understand analytics people. I love talking about analytics and hockey. I know not everyone understands it, but I think there is a good tool for it. Who in their right mind thought about pulling a goaltender when you're down anything more than two with anything more than four minutes left in a game? Okay? Like, Toronto had made it at one point. I think it was five to two. Willie had scored... He scored both goals at this point. I think he scored both goals. And it was five to two. It was... wasn't like it was close, but they were starting to get some momentum. And Sheldon Keith pulls Eric Schalgren, like we mentioned, who had after Jack Campbell was pulled. And I said to myself, why? There's like six or seven minutes left in the game. Why are they doing this? They get the empty netter. Okay. So it's 6 3. It's, or 6 2. It's over. Then they scored again to make it 6 3. And I'm like, it would have been 5 3. And then there was another empty net to make it 7 3. And that was the final score. Why did you pull the goaltender in the first place? If you know Tampa has the ability to literally skate the puck down the ice uncontested sometimes and just put it into a wide open 6 by 4, like, I don't understand it. I get it. Someone saying like, hey, we, we have momentum right now. We'll have one extra guy. Let's do this. You understand in order for that to work, you must have the puck the entire time because if the other team gets it, they have an open net. I, I don't know. I I don't like the idea. I know Patrick Waugh was infamous for doing it. Dean Evison, I know, does it for the Minnesota Wild. I think it's the stupidest thing ever. I really think it's dumb. Two goals, under three minutes left. That's my limit. Because, like, even when I play, and I get it, it's a video game reference I'm about to make here, but when I play Chell, I really don't like pulling the goaltender either. Because if you lose a faceoff or you lose possession, all of a sudden you're backtracking. Because if you are if you are good enough to score a tying goal five on five, why would you put another guy out there? That's my thing. That's I, I know some people think I'm crazy and they're whatever. Uh, Gene says Leafs ain't getting through this series. I did pick Tampa in six, so I am not wrong yet. Toronto's going to try to prove me wrong tonight back at Scotiabank Arena where, like we talked about, they split the first two games of the series. They split both games in Amelie Arena. Uh, Sean Cosgrove jumps on in here. Losing by less has no value. If you go from a 0.5% chance to winning to a 0.7% chance, it's worth it. Well, Sean, that's probably why you and I are not coaches because it, it might work. It might not work. But I just... I. I just feel like if you have momentum five on five and you're getting chances at even strength without an extra guy on the ice while Tampa is still bringing the puck down in your own zone, why risk it by allowing them a chance at an open goal when it's a three goal margin? You know, I, I understand obviously pulling the goalie late in the game when you're down one or two and you have a chance, but three goals with five or six minutes left. Cause here's the worst part. They score that empty net goal. And you know, a lot of us players are programmed. Once that happens, the game's over. So you have five minutes to coast the rest of the way. It almost makes that game even more boring. Like I say, keep pressing with what's been working and maybe take advantage of a sleeping Tampa team, which at one point, yes, was up 
five, was it up five, one or five, nothing. It was five, nothing. So, it, you know, there obviously, once again, there's a reason why I'm not a coach, never going to be a, in a front office because I would probably make decisions that get me fired faster than, uh, than Paul Fenton in Minnesota. Shout out to all you wild fans out there. Which will take us to the Minnesota Wild and St. Louis Blues. The 9.30 Eastern Time, 7.30 puck drop. Back at St. Paul, back at the XL Energy Center. Another series where it's like, you're going to beat the other team or you're going to beat them badly or you're not going to beat them at all. Marc-Andre Fleury, notably, back in net once again for the Minnesota Wild. I don't know, guys. I don't know about this one. Because Cam Talbot, who has been there now for a few seasons, a couple seasons, He's seemingly like the guy that you'd want to turn to when things are going a little south. Marc-Andre Fleury, who played well in games two and three, albeit. But, you know, what? what is the decision-making here to not give Cam Talbot a chance here? Because, yeah, I know Saint, I think he only gave up four goals because, once again, Dean Evison pulled a goaltender early with two goals and St. Louis was able to score not just an empty netter, but also a go-ahead goal. But... You know, Fleury, I don't think, played bad in game one. Just had some bad rebounds that David Perron took care of. I don't think he played bad in game four either. Just, unfortunately, had a couple sneak through. But at the same token, you've seen how it's worked for St. Louis because now Billy Huso, well, he's on the back burner because here comes Jordan Bennington, a little bit very, I don't want to say microscopically 2019-esque, coming in to save the day, winning game four, playing really well, making some huge saves in that game as well. We've seen that... Obviously, Craig Berube is comfortable moving to another goaltender. Well, I get it. Marc-Andre Fleury has three Stanley Cup rings. We cannot avoid the conversation, though. Yes, he's a Vesna Trophy winner. We can't avoid the conversation, though, that two of those rings were won mostly by Matt Murray. I understand how the 2017 playoffs went. Marc-Andre Fleury got them through Washington. Yes, I know. I understand. I understand the argument there. To the point, though, I'm trying to get at here is that you're going to have to, if you want, if Minnesota wants to make a deep run, you're going to have to turn to Talbot eventually, right? And do you really want to go back to St. Louis down 3-2? And I'm saying this as if Marc-Andre Fleury might not win this game tonight. There's a chance Fleury could do that weird thing that he does where he turns back the clock to 9 makes 47 saves, and Minnesota wins his game 2-1. to There's a great chance that could happen. I just don't see it happening. <laughs> That's the problem. Because St. Louis now, I mean, yes, Ryan O'Reilly had a great game. And Ryan O'Reilly, even in that second game, was like the lone bright spot for St. Louis. And that's happened throughout points of the year where Ryan O'Reilly's been the catalyst, the lone catalyst for the St. Louis Blues. I just, I don't know what it's going to take when I'm going to see if if Flurry gives one up early. Like, how tight is the leash for Dean Evison? Or is it even tight at all? And I remember I had this conversation with Isha Jerome, like, you know, how much do you think from the top is, you know, Billy Guerin saying, hey, Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be our goaltender because he won me a ring back in 09. Like, I, I I, know it's a tin hat kind of thought there, but we've seen guys turn to their backups pretty quickly these days now. And, or pardon, maybe not necessarily the backups, the 1A or the 1B, the other guy that wears the the leather pads. I don't, I want to know what Dean Evanson's trying to get at here. And looking up front, I think, I expect a better performance out of Kirill Kaprizov in that line. I think St. Louis just came out with a little bit more effort, a little bit more desperation in game four. And I think the wild, the home fans will be behind him. I think they're going to come out with a much better effort. And that's why Jordan Bennington has to have to come up big tonight for the St. Louis blues. Cause if he doesn't, once again, we go back to the thing of 
Now you're going to at least be going back down, going back home. I guess if there is a silver line in anything, you have a chance to win game six at home. I, I did pick St. Louis. Or no, excuse me, I picked Minnesota in this series. I, now I can't even remember who I picked. It's been It feels like it's been so long now. I have to remember who I picked and when I picked them. Uh, I did pick the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, so I, it's all right. I picked St. Louis because I, I got uh, State of Hoppy from the, the Soda Podcast. I got his blessing, if you will, proverbial blessing, to pick the St. Louis Blues. But, you know, I, cause I just think that there's not enough depth with the Minnesota Wild compared to St. Louis. And this series can easily go seven games. So they might be playing one more in St. Paul. So that'll, like I said, 930 puck drop, two good goaltenders. One, I'm questioning whether he should be in or not. The other, well, it looks like it's his net or it's his way or the highway. Uh, Flurry has been fine, Sean Cosgrove. has four games with a point, uh, 45 goals expected against. All right, I believe that's what that stat line is. Is it yeah, goals expected against? Guys like Dumba and Fiala have been pretty brutal. Yeah, Kevin Fiala, I will admit, that's a good point there, Sean. I mentioned that before I moved on here. Kevin Fiala, for the discussion that's been the entire year of a guy that, oh my gosh, Minnesota's not going to be able to afford him. They're going to have to get rid of Matt Dumba, to Cosgrove's point here. I really, I mean, it's a Johnny Goudreau syndrome almost. And we call it that because, unfortunately, Johnny Goudreau this year is kind of showing up in the playoffs maybe a little bit. But, you know, some guys just don't have it when we get into the months, the deep months of April and into May. And so far, Fiala hasn't shown it. Now, yes, easily that can be changed in one game because, like we saw, we talked about Johnny Goudreau with a big penalty shot goal last night, driving to the net to draw that penalty, pedestrian as it may seem. But, yeah, Fiala's got to step up too. And Dumba, I, th- I think Dumba has another gear. I think Dumba just played a little too hot-headed. That's what led to the David Perron goal. Or excuse me, the Jordan Cairo goal uh, on Sunday. Got to remember what day of the week the game that was. Because you saw Dumba pinch up, and that's what allowed Cairo to walk him and then beat Flurry for the for that very pretty goal on, for the Blues. So I think both of them. I think they both have potential to play a lot better. So it'll be an interesting game tonight. Gene Bennett says Marlowe deserves his. If he doesn't make the haul, I'll be sadly dissatisfied. That is going back to a conversation we had at the beginning talking about Patrick Marlowe, who retired after 23 seasons playing in the NHL. Most games ever by an NHL player, 1779. Yes, more than Gordie Howe because Gordie did not play. He played more than anyone else, but he didn't play them all in the NHL. That's why that stat is to Patrick Marlowe and Patrick Marlowe alone. And Benilla jumps, Benilla jumps back in here saying, I was a young welding apprentice. My first job was building the San Jose Arena. It was in that area. I saw a young rookie named Patrick Marlowe. Hats off to Marlowe on his outstanding career. That's a pretty cool story, Adam. We'll have to keep that one uh Gene Bennett says, sorry, kids came home. You know what, Gene? Gosh darn it, you and your kids. Don't have time for that here on the chat here at World Hockey Report. Dumba five seconds before that goal, dropped it along the boards right to O'Reilly to set up the Cairo goal, so he messed up twice. That's a good point as well. And and we've, and we've I will say this. I'm not going to try to be devil's advocate saying that, oh, you know what, it's okay, Dumba, because it's a bad play. It led to a pretty goal. And, of course, O'Reilly had a great game, a goal and two assists in that win for St. Louis good defense would make mistakes like that. It's unfortunate though, when those mistakes are made and then they come back to bite you and then you get walked and you get put on a highlight reel make, doesn't make it much better for sure. To Sean's point, Gene says too bad blank happens. See, they even had to have a start out because we can't say that kind of language here on, on world hockey report. Like we said, nine 30 Eastern time, seven 30 local time or in mountain time, eight 30 local time in St. Paul for the wild and blues part five of their 
series. The last game five of the night, Oilers and Kings. Remember how we all thought, kids, that this series was done? This series was over. 14-2, Edmonton was lighting up Los Angeles in those two wins. This series was done. Yeah, that more I follow, Dino line. Jonathan Quick, he got pulled for Cal Peterson. He doesn't even catch with the right hand. Well, he catches with the right hand, but he catches with the wrong hand, according to the goaltender union bylaws we have here. But then game four happened. <laughs> like, like honestly, like I, we talked with John Hoven last week, and we thought to ourselves, all right, LA just got to do this, this, and this, and this, and they're going to get back in this series. And then that did not happen at all in games two and three. But game four happens, and I just... It was so weird because L.A. just came out with this really, like, that team played like it was Game 7. That team played like their lives were on the line because they know that if they want a chance to go back to Crypto.com Arena, not Staples Center, if they wanted to go back there for Game 6, that they were going to have to win at least one of their games at home. Not just because of the fact of the mathematical possibilities of that happening, but also the fact that they knew that there was no way that they could go back with elimination at stake going back to Edmonton with a crowd that realizes that elimination's on the line and they're going to be pretty hostile. They're going to probably be hostile tonight at Rogers Place for game five with the series tied at two. But they came out hard. They came out fast. That I follow line who I just, is I don't say coming out of nowhere because that gives me a really hard East Coast bias kind of mantra. But... It's something I really noticed. And of course, Carl Guntram with two goals, one in the empty netter, and the one where he literally just drove into the net, drove into Mike Smith. But Trevor Moore gets a goal and an assist. Dano gets an assist. Ayafalo also gets on the score sheet as well with an assist. I really like that line. They are important to this team's success. And I think the defense played a lot better. Troy Stetcher, of course, getting a fortunate balance to get the goal to one of to his first of the playoffs. John the Quick came out with a much better effort, but I really think this was a team win. Because I say that because this is a Kings team who had just gotten pummeled in two straight games, and they put up 46 shots on Mike Smith. Mike Smith, I think, played really well in this game. And I've been a real, I've, I've, I'll be honest with you, and I love Jack Michaels to death. Had him on the show a couple weeks ago. I've been a real critic on Mike Smith for the last couple of years. I just say he's too old, that something's going to happen, and of course, game one's gaff really hurts him. Then he gets a shutout in game two, plays well in game three. And I, you know, I know the score on, on Sunday, but I thought he played really good in game four. I thought he did. You know, you, I'm sorry. You end up making off the top of my head, 43, 42 saves. Ends up making 42 saves in the win. Like what's he supposed to do, right? If your team's not cashing in, offensively, which has happened the last two playoff years for the Edmonton Oilers, including the bubble, the qualification round against Chicago. What are you supposed to do as a goaltender? You can only stop the puck so many times. And I think that's what LA had to really focus on as well. They had to focus on, hey, Penguins, Penguins man, hey, hey to you, Penguins man. He is Penguins man. Uh, but I really like how LA just had that desperation. The hard part is in the playoffs is having that each and every night. And I think they, the LA Kings know they have to bring that effort again. They have to play how they did in game one. They have to come out and show that they need to be taken seriously. Cause I think that's kind of what happened coming out of game three was like, all right, now this is the Edmonton Oilers. We all expected. They're going to walk away the rest of the series and win game five at home. 
Now, yes, my prediction on Kings and five may not be intact, but Kings and six could be possible. Kings and seven could be possible. But can Jonathan Quick do that kind of performance again? 31 save shutout. The first shutout for Jonathan Quick in the playoffs since, was it game three? Oh, I just wrote a report on this. It was game, I didn't write it on my notes course because I'm an idiot. Was it, I think it was game three of the 2014 finals against the Rangers. Was game three? Game three or four? Might have been three. One of those two games, because, no, yeah, it was game three because game four, the Rangers wanted to force game five, which led to the Alec Martinez double OT goal. Martinez! Yeah, that goal. Jonathan Quick has, it's been a while since you've had a playoff shutout. And he just, the, he's the X factor for me. I know John Hoven doesn't say as much because I know he's, I think Quick's been underlyingly pretty good this year for how things have gone in LA. But when you're going up against the offense that they're facing now with the Oilers, with McDavid, with Dreisaitl, with Nuge stepping up, with Evander Kane, the way he's been playing, you need a number one goaltender to play well. And that's what Quick did. Can he do it again? At this stage of his career, back-to-back games, it's tough because this is probably Quick's best season since, what, 20... Well, the last time he made the playoffs was 2018, so yeah, it's been four years. So if they can do it again, that'll be certainly interesting. Tonight, like we said, Game 5 in Edmonton. That is an 8 o'clock Mountain Time puck drop, 8 o'clock local time there at Rogers Place, 10 o'clock Eastern Time, the nightcap. And... It's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough game. I I think it's be I don't know if it's gonna be as wide open. I don't think we're gonna have almost eighty shots between the two teams. But you know that Edmonton's gonna come out fast, and I think LA realizes that as well that they have to score first. And like we talked about with Boston and Carolina, Boston scores first in that game. They set the momentum. LA scores first, like they did in game one. Things get a little bit tentative in Edmonton. I know people in Edmonton don't like to compare themselves to Toronto, but that's one of the big comparisons. You ever see a, tr- a Toronto goes down by a goal or goes down in the series? Oh, gosh. Panic. They lose game four, seven to three, whatever, in a gong show game. Oh, gosh. Could have won. Could have gone on 3-1. Panic. Edmonton. Oh, my gosh. We lost. We, sc- we got scored first in game one. We lost game one. Oh, my gosh. The sky was falling in northern Alberta. But they won game two and three, and they have, and of course, like Toronto, how they would react if they won two games two and three like that. Whee! It's over. We're going on. It's We're going to the next round. And then all of a sudden, game four happens. Like, oh, we can lose. It's panic. It's it's uh, Hockey Twitter is a wonderful thing. Uh, Gene Bennett says, dang it, I hate, uh, but Brown's been there, and I kind of need his swan song too. Uh, Dustin Brown, yes, he's talking about. Dustin, you know what? I've had a love-hate relationship with Dustin Brown for a long time. That first run in 2012 was, I don't know. I, I thought, I mean, first of all, that LA Kings team was not supposed to be there. They are still probably the best eight seed to ever win a Stanley Cup. They ran through everybody. And I thought, Dustin Brown, this guy's good. And Drew Doughty and Jonathan Quick. And, but by the time 2014 came around, I got a little sick of him because I'm like, oh, they're doing this again. And I always kind of had a little bit of a love affair with Henrik Lundqvist. Carey Price has always been my number one guy, but Henrik Lundqvist was my second. I thought, yes, he's in the finals, 2014. Let's go. Let's go, King Henrik. And uh, didn't go well. Did not go well at all for King Henrik and the Rangers in that series. So, but you know what? Hey, if you can go out on top, why not, right? If there's ever a time to, you know, have some love and win, I mean, Everyone loves the Lanny McDonald story. And for those that don't know, Lanny McDonald has famously won the, excuse me, famously won the Stanley Cup in his last game. 
as a player with the Calgary Flames, winning in 1989, beating the Montreal Canadiens, scoring the clinching, one of the clinching goals in the win at the Montreal Forum. Great moment because a guy that, you know, even though he still pretty much associates with the Toronto Maple Leafs more than anything, I think, a guy that is still beloved in Calgary, and he went out on top. But, of course, then again, we can just say, well, Dustin Brown doesn't need to win anymore. He's won enough as it is. Well, not everyone can win as much as the LA Kings did there for a couple of years. Like I said, guys, in about 15 minutes' time, I just want to make sure I didn't miss any notes there. 15 minutes time, we're going to be talking with John Walton, the play-by-play radio voice of the Washington Capitals. We'll talk about the game last night and break down the series between the Caps and the Panthers uh, from his side of things. Remember, we talked with Armando Velez from Locked On Florida Panthers last Thursday. We got the Panthers side. Let's get the Capitals side of things coming up here in just a little bit. Be sure, though, guys, to jump in the chat, though, before then. We got a lot. To, we, I mean, we've had a lot of great people jumping in the chat here. We've had Sean come in over here as late Penguins man saying hello. Uh, Penguins man, and I do apologize. We did get to the Penguins thrashing of the New York Rangers last night. And love to hear your thoughts, Penguins man. What do you think? What do you think? How long do you think this series ends tomorrow night? Or do you think we go just a little bit longer? Does this series get extended a little bit longer? Let's go over to our question of the day as well while we are here. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, someone can, uh, world hockey report tweet. Now I gouge attempt by Evander Kane. Um, someone taking that person. Welcome to shocking enough. Someone says from welcome to oil country, taking it personally, uh, based on the fact that someone was not happy with the accusations of Evander Kane. I gouging. Of course that was from game four. Let's go back to our question of the day. If I can find it, because we have so much awesome content here on Twitter all the time, all the days. Da, 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 da. Where did maybe I can yeah, maybe I pull it on my phone faster? By the way, like I said, guys, jump in on the chat if you are watching us here on the YouTube and or the YouTube of Hockey Podcast Network or 12 Ounce Sports. Where is my hairbrush? It was around here somewhere. Maybe we'll find it after the break because I remember we had it. We had it up. It was getting a lot of votes too, a lot of big votes. Bum, bum, nope, I'll find it later. But last time we checked, it was the question of the day. If you go out at World Hockey RPT, check it out, where we ask which series will go seven games. And the highest vote at the time was going for the Leafs and Lightning. That would be a very interesting series. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm curious to know what, I don't know, like, I don't know what could be the the picks. Because, like, there's, we have five, four games tonight that are all going to game five tied at two. Yes, there's the 3-1 series lead for the Penguins over the Rangers, and obviously we already saw a sweep with the Avs and Preds, but it's hard to tough. So right now, I just actually jumped back over to it. We have a tie. We have a tie for the votes lead. 43.6% between the Wild and Blues and the Leafs and Lightning. Only 7.3% for the Oilers and Kings, which is kind of funny because, like I said, there's a good series that could go 7. Uh, 5.5% say uh, other. There's been no uh, nominations for other, but that would be... Interesting to see who else could do it. It's going to be a very tight series indeed. What is she? What? My wife's yelling at me. What? Oh, Kelly says the other might be in regards to that. No other series will go seven games. Huh? Someone wants the first round to end before we go on vacation, don't you? You just want the first round to end so I'm not distracted, even though there's a second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and then there's a conference finals, and then there's a finals. 
I'm sorry, Cal. I'm going to be working a little bit. I'm working on the beach with a mimosa and then a, uh, and a pina colada. They have pina coladas down there. They make rum down there. Okay, cool. I'll have pina. I'm going to do a show while I'm having a pina colada. It's going to be a glorious idea. And that's how we get kicked off of Twitter guys. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I always said, jump on in the chat there. Uh, by the way, guys, if you are looking to add to that closet for this summer, if you are going to a beach near you, or if it gets really warm outside, go check out 12 ounce slash store for all of your world hockey report merchandise from hats to hoodies and everything in between 12 ounce slash store has you covered with all of the latest world hockey report swag. So, if you guys also missed our conversation earlier, we had one with Lauren Campbell from Nesson talking about the Boston Bruins. That was a, a fun chat, first of all, because A, she has an awesome Twitter handle, at la 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 Lauren. It's three laws, and then Lauren with four R's. Be sure to catch her. She'll be giving the recaps and notes from the Boston Bruins and Canes tonight. That's one of the four games we have on tap tonight. Let's talk about the NHL Draft Lottery a little bit here. Before we have, we got a few minutes before we are joined by good guy John Walton, former Hershey Bears broadcaster, by the way, John Walton. Let's talk about the the draft lottery. Like we talked about off the top, 6.30, that's going to start at. Best chance, best odds going to the Montreal Canadiens because they had the worst record. And I, you know, I'm really curious to see what happens because the new rule this year, you cannot jump 10 spots, which includes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. So... The Vegas Golden Knights, Vancouver Canucks, Winnipeg Jets, New York Islanders, and the Columbus Blue Jackets cannot win the lottery and move all the way up to the first spot, which is nice because, you know, we don't want... Because, listen, if if Shane Wright went to the Vegas Golden Knights, I would quit sports because under the terms of a trade that sent Jack Eichel to Buffalo, Vegas will transfer its first-round pick in 2022 if it is not a top-10 pick. If it becomes a top 10 pick, then Vegas will retain that pick and then give them their pick next year. So, but once again, that's if you're, that's also implying that Vegas were able to move up into the top 10. But thank, like I said, if Shane Wright went to Vegas, I'm quitting hockey. <laughs> like you talk about the odds stacked in your favor, even though they did not even make the playoffs this year. But then again, that's a whole soap opera in it, excuse me, in itself. But let's look at the other odds. So best odds go to Montreal, 18 and percent. Shane Wright Montreal wouldn't be too bad. You know, I mean, he plays in Kingston already. Uh, Arizona Coyotes is second. I- I'm sorry, Adam. I love you. I-, I know there's a lot of passionate Yotes fans down there, but it's hard for me to look at Shane Wright going to a smaller building in the National Hockey League. I, I understand, like, the fans down there are awesome. I- I've worked with a lot of them down there. I've met a lot of great people that have worked for it with the team. Unfortunately, the the higher ups in that organization make me want to go crazy, and Gary Bettman just keeps pumping their tires, so it it hurts more and more each time it happens. Uh, Seattle cracking a third, eleven and a half percent, wouldn't be bad. I think Seattle can be better than what they showed this year, goaltending number one. But adding him to a guy like Matty Beneers and Jared McCann, it, like that that team has something to move forward with. Uh, Brandon Tanev also being another one. Philadelphia Flyers in fourth with nine and a half percent. The Devils at eight and a half percent. If they win it again, <laughs> if New Jersey wins it again, my goodness. Blackhawks at seven and a half percent. Ottawa, Detroit at six and a half, six percent. Buffalo and Anaheim and San Jose are the only other three teams that could win the draft lottery. If Buffalo wins again as well, <sighs> like there's gonna there's gonna be chaos, guys. There's gonna be nonsense because. 
I, I, Shane Wright is not the world power that Connor McDavid is. Yes. Do I think Shane Wright's going to be even as good as Connor Bedard is? Because Connor Bedard is going to be, as of right now, the he is the unanimous number one pick for the 2023 draft. Man, I really, I, it's going to be tough to see where he fits in amongst those teams. I think Montreal works because Montreal, they're obviously going through a little bit of a transition right now. They have talent, young talent. Just don't know if they're going to be any good next year. But, you know, I, the guy I really look at, I know, remember Adam mentioned earlier, Logan Cooley, possibly going number two to Arizona. I, I really think the, the next pick would be Uri Slikovsky out of Slovakia. This kid was really, really good at the Olympics. I, had we not had the world junior championships had gone on as scheduled in December and January, I think Slovakia would have had a decent showing because of Slikovsky. I'm unsure now if he gets picked since the world juniors are going to be in August this year, right before training camp. I am unsure if we're going to see an instance where a guy like Slikovsky, a guy like Shane Wright would be at the world juniors. Mason McTavish is the same way. Cause remember he was playing with the Anaheim ducks before he went down to, well, Went down to Peterborough before going and joining Team Canada at the World Juniors in December. Before they were closed off, of course, and shut down again. I really think... I, I think... But where would Sakoski fit well at? He's a young player. He, it's The crazy part is, is that what I saw in Sakoski, Gene Bennett says, if Philly gets it, that'd be amazing. He's got the big stage attitude. That's right. That's something I saw last year firsthand. I got to uh, call games with him and Bruce Levine, and I got to call Canada's pool play games at the under-18s last year. And you could just tell that he seemed he fit into that role of, hey, I am the number one guy. I am pretty darn good. I'm going to be the next pick next season. And uh, yeah, nothing anyone's going to be able to do about it. And he had that mantra about him, and that's what made him such a dangerous player. And so that's why I think he could go to a Montreal and play in a scenario like that, play for a team like that because he has that attitude and Mont- in a playing like Montreal or in Gene's case, also Philadelphia, you have that kind of mindset. You almost fit in. You can play well in that scenario because we've seen kids that are, I, I don't want to say unwilling or ready, just or maybe not mentally tough, but like just not able to play in a big spotlight like that. Shane Wright's been doing this since he got, since he was granted exceptional status in the Ontario Hockey League three years ago. This kid's been that good for this long. He was he scored 60 points in his first season in the OHL, dragged Kingston to a playoff berth. And let's be honest, had they played last year, I think Kingston would have been pretty good. They had a couple guys that were uh, close to be overagers. I don't know if they would have made a deep run. They're actually still in the playoffs playing North Bay right now in round two of the OHL playoffs. They're actually playing tonight, which is some people were kind of questioning. I was listening to the radio today. And they were saying, why don't we have the draft lottery on a night Shane Wright doesn't play so we can interview him? Hey, Shane, how are you feeling about going to Montreal? Or how are you feeling about going here or whatever? Yada, yada. Unfortunately, he's going to be playing, so we really can't... Well, no, you're not going to interview him there. Well, actually, that's actually a good point. If there was... J, no, J, JT Miller. I'm like, JT Miller? Like the Vancouver Canucks? No, JT Miller, sup, Rangers, and four. Uh, quick touch on that here in a second. But it'd be kind of funny to be like having warm-ups if they did the draft lottery right away to pick see who got number one and be like, Shane Wright, you're going up against North Bay tonight, but uh, you're going to be drafted by the who? You're going to be drafted by the Detroit Red Wings. How do you feel? And he's going to give you the hockey answer. Well, you know, I'm just you know focused on playing this game here tonight, but you know, it'll be great to see wherever I go in the draft this summer. And uh, yep, it's going to be fun. And that'll be that'll be the interview. 
Uh, JT Miller says, Rangers in four. Where is Neil? Neil, where is Neil? I don't know where Neil is. Neil's not here today, though. I'm Tyler Kuehl here on World Hockey Report. T-Cool Tuesdays. Uh, Rangers in four. Well, uh, they could win four more. They, I mean, they could win three more, at least, if they can pull it off here and win in seven. Gene Bennett says, Edmonton situation. It's on the GM, coach, and owner to do it right. Well, of course, they tried to do it right. They had, you know, four. They only had four first-round Number one overall picks, and uh, only two of them are left. That's kind of funny. Uh, I'm not the JT Miller. I'm JT Miller from Ontario. So you're the other JT Miller. No. Thank you, JT, for jumping on in the chat here with us today. Just a few minutes time, guys. Like I said, we're going to be joined by none other than John Walton, the radio play-by-play voice of the Washington Capitals, to wrap things up here on this TQL Tuesdays here on World Hockey Report, talking about the Caps and Cats. Let us know, though, before we get there, what you think your picks are going to be tonight. Bruins and Canes at 5 and 7 o'clock Eastern time. And then you have the Leafs and Lightning. The, right now, the, the synonymous pick to go number one or to go seven games. The other one, the Minnesota Wild and St. Louis Blues. That'll be the uh, that'll be the nine thirty Eastern time, seven thirty Mountain time, eight thirty local time start. And of course, Oilers and Kings at eight o'clock, ten o'clock Eastern time. So, let us know what you think about who's going to win, where, and what, and how. Got a couple people to jump in the chat there as well. Oilers have a lot of good players. That is right, JT, they do. Can they get it done, though, is the question. I'm really interested to see how these games go tonight. There's a chance, though, that all these could go seven. And this is where I'm going to kind of turn something on for you guys here. If, you have, if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, which I, which I am, and I say I know it's, it's a paid subscription or whatever, yada, yada, I understand that. It's got some really good articles. And one of them is talking about uh, one day in 1992, where all of the Eastern Conference playoff games, uh, Colin Smith jumping in there. Hey, Colin, how you doing? Saying go Blues. Big game coming up here tonight for St. Louis. But uh, down goes Brown. Sean McIndoe wrote an article about how all of the Eastern Conference first round matchups, all of them, went to seven games and they were all played. All seven games were played. Game sevens were played on the same night. And if we're at this pace right now with these series we have tonight, there's a chance they could all go seven and they would go seven on Saturday night. Just letting you guys know, that'd be crazy. Uh, I'd recommend it. I'm subscribed to the athletic Colin. Hey, Colin, thanks for jumping on in here and saying so, because I love down goes Brown's one of my favorite guys. I like to follow. Obviously they have guys for every single team. We've had a bunch of them on the show before as well here on world hockey report. Uh, JT Miller says Panthers really about to lose to the capitals. Well, they had a chance last night, and we'll talk about that with John Walton when we come back here to wrap things up on this T Cool Tuesday here on World Hockey Report. Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. 
Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Take your game to the next level with Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Pro Rock is changing the way we buy top-of-the-line twigs. They're lightweight, balanced, and provide the perfect kick point. Whether you're a pro hockey player or a beer league legend, Pro Rock Hockey Sticks are made for you. They're at a price point you can't beat, so check them out today at ProRock.com. Play like a Pro Rock. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors. And welcome back, everyone, here to World Hockey Report. Wrapping up here, T-Cool Tuesdays here on WHR. And I'm glad to be joined now by a guy that I've had the pleasure of talking with a few times every so often here. He is the radio play-by-play voice of the Washington Capitals for, my goodness, it's been 10 years now already. Ladies and gentlemen, John Walton. John, how are you doing today? Hi, Tyler. Glad to be here. John, of course, who thankfully was able to you know, take some time out of the day because he just got back off the flight. And John, I got to ask you, it's about right here in West Michigan, about 75 and humid. How bad is it in Florida? You know what? Surprisingly, when we got off the plane, it's not too bad. I think it's somewhere in the mid 80s. The humidity is definitely present, but I would call it tolerable compared to where we were a couple of days ago when we were here. So uh, as long as the Everglades stop burning and they get a little bit of rain here, I think we're going to be okay. Man, that that would be that would be nice because I've been in Florida too, like in the middle of summer, and it's just it. Can, there's sometimes it might not be fun here, but John, let's let's talk about this series a little bit. Caps and Cats, two two going into sunrise tomorrow night. Let let's talk about the game last night. I, I was actually mentioning before we came on here, my my wife and I we caught we I watched the game back this morning before I before we had the show here today. But I we listened to the radio on the way back. Listened to your call of the game, and Kelly was so. We were listening there in the third period, 
caps just go up. Kuznetsov just scores. We're listening to it on the way back. And, you know, we're kind of, I don't say we're, you know, we, we were pulling for Washington a little bit here. It, it's obviously a great story. The underdog team coming into this series, the second wildcard team against the president's trophy winners. But then Sammy Reinhardt, Kootenai ice legend, Sammy Reinhardt scores the goal. And it just seems like it just took the air out of the arena from what we were hearing. And then I watched it back. It felt like that as well. That's a tough game last night for the Caps, eh? Well, it's tough for any number of reasons. You had a lead in the third period, and it didn't hold up, and you end up losing in overtime and what would have been a 3-1 to one lead in the series and would have been a chance to try and close it out here in Sunrise tomorrow night. That doesn't happen, and I think it was probably made even tougher by the fact that just prior to the game-tying goal from Reinhardt, you had the you off the post, Garnet Hathaway, uh, the empty net from 150 feet, puts it off the left edge of the left post. And if that thing goes in, it is a three games to one lead. And they probably don't even get a chance to get the equalizer. So I think if you're the Capitals, you have to put it behind you. I think you have to have a short memory because it definitely hurts from a Capitals perspective when you didn't do, I think, as much right in game four as they did in game three, but we're right there in the end, had a lead in the third. Evgeny Kuznetsov with just a brilliant goal that got him the lead, and you're in a position to try and get this thing done and get your third win of the series. But now it's a best of three. So here in Sunrise tomorrow night, Capitals have one home game left in the series. We know it'll happen. We know there's going to be a game six. And then will there be a seven or will somebody finish this thing off in six capitals are hoping they can take another step forward here tomorrow night. Yeah, we, we actually, we were talking a little bit about 2014, a little bit here, uh, not too long before we had John here in regards to the, the Rangers path to the, the Stanley cup finals. And we all know who they had to go through in a certain seven game series that year. That was the Washington capitals. So seven games sometimes can be a little bit interesting for caps fans. I do know that for sure. And as you know, that as well, John, but, what is, what is your thoughts on this series? Because, you know, there not many people were looking at Washington to have I mean, people thought Florida was just going to walk over them. But I kept saying, guys, like, listen, Florida might have this series, but Washington has something that Florida does not have. And that is a boatload of playoff experience. And that's why I said Washington's going to have a good fight in this one. And like we mentioned, they were one goal away from having a stranglehold on this series. What has John Walton thought about how the Caps have played against the president's trophy winners? I think they played by and large pretty well. I had said going into the postseason and even going back to the final days of the regular season, I still believe this to this day. I think the Capitals can beat any team in the Stanley Cup playoffs as long as they get the goaltending. I think they have the championship pedigree, and it's not just the guys. I think that's a little bit of a misnomer. There's a lot of guys who were here in 2018, but there's a lot of guys that have cups from other places too. So you've got, whether it's Justin Schultz and Connor Sherry with Pittsburgh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk won with Chicago. I mean, it's not just the guys who won here four years ago. The majority of the roster does have a ring. And, you know, I think when you have that in any series, and I think people forget too, you know, the Capitals did have their struggles in the second half, but this was still a hundred point team. And for the first time in NHL history, everybody in the East had 100 points. Everybody that made the playoffs was a 100-point team. So uh, this is not as lopsided as people think. I mean, it was never going to be that kind of lopsided series. It doesn't mean that Florida wasn't the better team. It doesn't mean the Capitals aren't the underdog. They are. But when you have the experience on a 100-point team, you've got Alex Ovechkin, you've got 
what was a pretty pitiful power play in midseason, but was very good in the last two months of the season. A penalty kill that right now is one of the best in the NHL, and I think they were really through the last two or three months of the season. There's a lot to like from the Caps, and I think Florida found out the hard way that the playoffs aren't like the regular season. And to the Panthers' credit, and I thought they were grinding their sticks and looked nervous. Even Andrew Burnett has said so through the course of this series. That's not just me saying that. But they gutted one out and found a way. And in doing so, they were managed to even the series. Now I think it's how much has Florida moved forward with what it means to actually play playoff hockey because that group hasn't played a lot. First round, I know, was a war with Tampa Bay last year, but they didn't win that. Right. And before that, they didn't even get in So for a long time. So I think game five, I mean, this is the true pivot point of the series. If the Capitals are able to win and go home up three to two, with a win tomorrow night, then I think the Capitals have a real good chance of taking this thing. I think if Florida wins tomorrow night, the Caps are going to have a really tough time doing that because of all the firepower on the other side. The momentum will be squarely with the Panthers at that point. So uh, it's been a great series so far. There's been a lot to like. Uh, it's been fun. I think uh, tomorrow night's going to dictate a whole lot on where it goes from here. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard to say who has momentum in not just this series, but a lot of other series. Uh, shout out to the folks jumping in the chat here. Isaac Frost, what's up to you there, my good friend? JT Ramirez, sup you as well. Gene Bennett says, I really think the Caps have it here, John. And that's really, that's really interesting because you mentioned the goaltending. Because when you and I were talking earlier on the season, that was the question as well. Even when they were at one point, the Washington Capitals were the top team in the Eastern Conference. How do you think Ilya Samsonov has came in here? Because the, the term that I look at whenever I see Ilya Samsonov starting in the playoffs, even last year as well against Boston, the word adversity just keeps coming into my mind because the amount that he's gone through, like last year with all the COVID issues and some of the off-ice speculation, he was able to get through that and try to help his team in that first round. This year, not even being the number one guy opening night. Granted, injury had a little bit to do with that because Vitek Vancek stole the net. Then Sam Sonoff took the net for part of the season. Then VV got it back again. And now here we are heading to game five. And Sam Sonoff is the number one guy again. This guy continues to battle. That's what you want in a goaltender. It is. Uh, and I think that when you look at the Caps goaltending as a whole this season, it has been a roller coaster and a glass case of emotion because we don't really know what's going to happen game in and game out around here. But uh, it has been very gratifying to see what Ilya Samsonov has done since coming on in relief of Vitek Vanacek, who really stumbled in game two. And there have been a lot of stumbles for Elia, too, down the stretch. But what he's done since getting in there and stopping all 17 he saw in the third period, which was easily Washington's worst period of the series, and then being able to get his first ever Stanley Cup playoff win and looked really good doing it. Didn't like the first goal he gave up. He was lights out, perfect the rest of the way, and ends up getting the win in game three. I thought he played well enough to win in game four last night, too, but it wasn't meant to be for all the reasons that we talked about. If he is able to continue that into game five tomorrow, he gives Washington a really good chance of getting a win in game five. Now, given the track record, a save percentage in a regular season that wasn't even 90%, you know, there are the glass half empty folks that say, well, when's the other shoe going to drop? And I totally get that. But I think with what we've seen here with the pressure on and the big saves that he's made, I think if he's able to do that and the Caps defense, who's been really good in front of him, can continue to frustrate the high-powered Florida forwards, 
I think the Capitals have a terrific chance of winning in a game five. And uh, if they do, it'll be in large part because of Ilya. Yeah. And that, and that's really big. And because like I said, this guy has gone through a lot. He was the big, you know, the big prospect after it was supposed to be after Holtby and Grubauer both left. And now we're starting to see maybe he has something to prove here. And he, he knows he has something to prove. No question about it. But what do you think about the, the hard stat line for me, obviously you look at the box where it tells a story, but like watching that game last night and watching the first three games before that as well, we've, we've realized that Washington's almost gone back to the Barry Trotz, Jacques Lemaire school of trap, if you will. Uh, But 16 shots on goal, even against the Florida Panthers, who can allow you a couple of opportunities, as we saw with Oshie and Kuznetsov's goals last night. Do you think the Capitals need to try to push more offensively, John? Or do you think they're content with playing this defensive style and just try to take advantage when an opportunity presents itself? I think the strategy has been pretty good up until now. You've got to be able to stop Florida's forwards if you get into a run and gun with florida you're going to lose and i think the the strategy with that is defense first be opportunistic uh, again kuznetsov is a perfect example of that last night when you get the big hit from oshi that turns the play around after he hits bent and the puck goes the other way uh, get them back on our heels take advantage of what is given you and there wasn't much in the third period last night so i think that probably led to even a little frustration at the end you don't get many opportunities. You take advantage of the opportunity you get because Netsoc gives you the lead and then you're not able to hang on to it. So I, I think for the Capitals, because they are not a fast team, they are not a young team either. This is a long series. These guys are old. Uh, you've got to be able to play the game that is going to give you the best a chance for success. And I don't think there's any doubt that this is the way the Capitals can win. If you are going to slow it down, if you can keep their forwards from running and gunning, I even thought in the first period, period and a half of game one, the pace was going up and down pretty quick. And I, I was thinking that this is going to be trouble. This is playing into Florida's hands. But really since then, I don't think we've seen much of that. I think that the Caps have done a great job at frustrating them. I don't think they're getting nearly the five-on-five opportunities that they are used to getting, and they're not getting anything really on the power play, 0 for 13 going into the game tomorrow night. So uh, I think this is the way to win if you're Washington, and uh, I think strategy-wise they're right where they need to be. And yeah, that, Hey, sometimes we broke, don't fix it. And certainly getting two of the first four games, which there's some people around the game, John, that you probably heard too. They probably didn't think the caps were going to get this far, but here we are going into game five tomorrow night in sunrise with the caps with a chance to put themselves again, one win away from the second round. I'm going to ask you one question before I let you go here, John, before we wrap things up here on today's world hockey report at world hockey RPT. If you guys are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and as well, John Walton at John Walton, PXP, with a beautiful glass of wine in his hand in his profile picture. I got to ask you, John, what is, outside of this series, what team is catching your eye as a team that you think is going to go deep in the playoffs here? Obviously, you've been able to, maybe not this year, go see every team in person. Obviously, a couple of games you had to kind of sit out in the studio there with uh, with COVID protocols and what have you. But what team is you look at, uh, the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference, he says, man, this team could be dangerous here, and they could be playing well into June. What, what team does John Walton think that is? Well, there's a lot of teams out there that have shown a lot of offensive firepower so far in this first round. And 
I don't know what's going on with Tampa Bay and Toronto. I'm looking no forward to watching no that one, one this evening. Yes, that's going to be interesting. Uh, but to me, and I thought it when we saw them late in the season, uh, they came to D.C. Uh, and they waxed the Capitals pretty good. And I, I just, between a balance of scoring, just enough snarl, and certainly goaltending depth like no other team in the field, I like what Minnesota has. I think when you look at, yes, okay, everybody knows that Colorado is is lights out good and and certainly are going to be tough to stop. But if there is a team beyond Colorado in the West that I would think that if for some reason the seas part and, and there is a lane to be able to uh, make a run. I think Minnesota is primed to do it. It's never the team you think, or not always never, but a lot of times, you know, you think, oh, it's going to be Colorado and Florida. Well, you know what? The Caps have something to say about that in the East. And, you know, I, Nashville didn't put up much of a fight in the West, but we'll we'll see what happens with Colorado moving forward. If somebody is able to uh, get that challenge taken done or uh, take down the avalanche and get that challenge done. Uh, but Minnesota, to me, looked like a team that had everything. Uh, if they were able to uh, have a little bit of room in the West, I'd be interested to see what they can do in the East. I have no idea because I thought Carolina was building some steam and then they lost it. I thought the Rangers would be okay. And I don't know what's gone on there the last two. I kind of like the fact, and this is where I, I really like what's going on with the Caps, is that the older teams, the experience, not so much team speed as compared to a Carolina or a Florida or maybe even the Rangers. Uh, look what Boston's doing. Look what Pittsburgh's doing. Look what Washington is doing. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, win one for the old guys if you're one of those three teams because they're doing pretty well. Uh, and I think it's wide open in the East. And I think it's going to be really fun here to see who ends up being the Eastern Conference champ. Yeah, because – it's almost like a coin flip nowadays. And, and of course, I mean, John, you, you witness it firsthand. There were some years that Washington was the best team and not always the best team wins the Stanley Cup. And so while some people think Colorado and Florida, hey, that'd be great. Well, yeah, I'm sure there were some years that Washington thought they were going to be there as well. But sometimes you got to take a different path, right? You got to got to got to earn your stripes, as the kids say, right? Yeah, I mean, Washington, when they won, uh, they they had goaltending issues going into the postseason. They were down 0-2 in the first round. It looked like it might be the end of the road, and the next thing we knew, there was a parade on Constitution Avenue. So you never know, and I think for any team, of, if you're in the dance, you got a chance, and I, I think that's what's going to be fun to watch here. It'll certainly be interesting. Be sure to catch, guys. If you are on the road, if you're like me, you got the NHL app. You can just go on there and click whatever radio broadcast you want to listen to. Check it out. Caps Radio, John Walton, one of the best in the game and best, as always, to join us here on World Hockey Report. John, thank you very much for taking the time, man. Have a good call tomorrow night, and let's hope you have a couple more calls this year. How about it? Uh, it sounds good to me, Todd. I appreciate that. Thank you. John Walton, ladies and gentlemen, from the Washington Capitals radio play-by-play voice at John Walton PXP once again, guys. Check him out as well. Uh, Gene Bennett saying, ooh, in regards to him. Uh, quickly, before I'll run down some of the chats here, tell John JT Ramirez from Toronto what's up. Uh, hey, JT Ramirez, like I said, uh, though. Uh, Gerard asking, where is Lauren? Uh, Lauren Campbell, I think, we meant to go with. Uh, we chatted with Lauren Campbell earlier on. Do not worry, guys. We'll, uh, I'll explain why. You can watch the interview again. Isaac Frost says, go Oilers. Kings don't know what's coming. Well, they better hope so. It'll be interesting. Uh, Colin Smith, big game five tonight. Big game fives up, plural there, Colin. For all the games tonight, like we said, big games. Bruins and Canes, Leafs and Bolts, Wild and Blues, and Oilers and Kings. Big games tomorrow night as well. Rangers and Pens. And what are the other two games? Can't think of the top of my head. It's been so much going on. 
No, I said Carolina. But, oh, Florida. Yeah, thank you. Florida and Caps. We just talked with John. What's the other series? Canes. <laughs> I said Canes. Panthers. Panthers. Nope, so I said Panthers. Uh, what's the other series? Help. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Dal- Dallas and Flames. Duh. I'm like, holy cow. You said Canes. My wife wants me to get off the show, guys. So with that, let's wrap things up here. And guys, remember, if you miss any of the show, it's okay. Remember, you know, like I said, Gerard, we, we, you can check out Lauren Campbell's interview. Make sure you check it out on demand on 12 Ounce Sports YouTube channel or the Hockey Podcast Network or right here at World Hockey RPT. We'll be posting clips after this as well. And also be sure to check out your favorite podcatcher, wherever you get your podcast, Google, Apple, uh, Spotify, wherever, that's where you'll find us. Thanks to our good friends at the Hockey Podcast Network. They chop it all up, make sure it's all clean. Don't need to worry about any of the ads or stuff like that. Just all right through. Report your favorite podcast today. And don't forget, guys, you can find the best player tracking information on Quack Stats. Check them out, Quack Stats, on social media to get your go out and check out their website as well and app today. Quack Stats for best player tracking information. But that is it, folks, for this edition of World Hockey Report. T-Cool Tuesdays. Kelly wants me to get out of here. I'm trying as fast as I can. <laughs> Be sure to follow us, guys, at World Hockey RPT. Be sure to follow me at TJKU29 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And did I miss one? Facebook? Yep, I'm on there as well. Be sure to check us out, guys. As fun as always. Koei Jansen will be back tomorrow. Remember, he'll be back for Wednesdays. And I'll be back on Thursday with a couple of awesome guests as well. World Hockey Report, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every week during the playoffs until the cup is handed out. Enjoy the rest of the game tonight, guys. And we'll see you next time.